0: Good afternoon and welcome to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors meeting for today, February 27th, 2024. Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll?
1: Thank you, Mr. President. Supervisor Chan. Chan present. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey present. Supervisor Engardio. Engardio present. Supervisor Mandelman. Present. Mandelman present. Supervisor Melgar. Present. Melgar present. Supervisor Peskin. Present. Peskin present. Supervisor Preston. Preston present, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan present, Supervisor Safayi. Safayi present, Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie present, and Supervisor Walton. Walton present. Mr. President, all members are present. Thank
0: you. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors acknowledges we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatu Shaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatushaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatushaloni community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to, to the flag of the United, United States, States of America and, and to the Republic, Republic for which it stands,
2: one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
0: Madam Clerk, do we have any communications?
1: Yes, Mr. President. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors welcomes all interested persons to attend this meeting here in the Board's Legislative Chamber here in City Hall, second floor, room 250, where you may watch the proceeding on SFGOV-TV's Channel 26 or view the live stream at www.sfgovtv.org. To submit public comment in writing, send your uh, comment to the email address, bos at sfgov.org, or use the post office, uh, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the number one, Dr. Carlton B. Goodlett Place, City Hall, room 244, San Francisco, California, 94102. To make a reasonable accommodation request under the ADA or to request language assistance, please call the clerk's office at least two business days in advance by calling 415-554-5184. Thank you, Mr. President.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Colleagues, do we have a motion to approve the minutes of January third, 23rd, 2024? Motion made by Supervisor. Walton seconded by Supervisor Mandelman on that motion made and seconded. Madam Clerk, a roll call, please.
1: Supervisor Stephanie on the minutes. Aye. Stephanie I, Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, I, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, I, Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, I, Supervisor Engardio. Aye. Engardio I, Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman I, Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar, I, Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston, aye. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan, Ronan, aye. And Supervisor Safayi? Aye. Safayi, aye. There are 11 ayes.
0: The motion is approved. Madam Clerk, could you please call the consent agenda?
1: Items 1 through 9 are on consent. These items are considered to be routine. If a member objects, an item may be removed and considered separately.
0: Would any member like an item or item severed? Supervisor Walton. Thank you, President Peskin. I would like to sever item number six. Okay, we will sever item number six. On the balance of the consent agenda, we will take that same house, same call. Those ordinances are finally passed, passed on first reading and resolutions adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read item number six?
1: Item 6 is a resolution to approve the settlement of the unlitigated claims filed by Amazon.com Sales Inc. Uh, against the city for approximately 450000 This claim involves a refund of payroll expense, gross receipts and homelessness gross receipts taxes.
3: Supervisor Walton. Thank you, President Peskin. I need to recuse myself from this item due to a publishing relationship with Amazon. And Madam
0: Clerk, I need to also recuse myself from this item as I have with regard to items that specifically involve Amazon as my self-employed pension plan has Amazon stock. Uh, Is there a motion to recuse myself and Supervisor Walton made by Supervisor Mandelman, seconded by Supervisor Safiyee? Uh, and why don't we take the roll on that, and then I will hand the gavel over to Supervisor Mandelman who will conduct the vote on item number six. Madam Clerk, a roll call, please.
1: On the motion to excuse Supervisor Walton and Peskin from item six, Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, I, Supervisor Chan. Chan, I, Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, I, Supervisor Engardio. Engardio, I, Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. I. Melgar I, Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston I, aye. Supervisor Ronan, Ronan Aye, and Supervisor Safayi. Aye. Safayi I. There are nine ayes.
4: Hello, Madam Clerk. Uh, please call the roll on item six. On
1: item six, Supervisor Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie I, aye. Supervisor Chan. Chen, I. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, I. Aye. Supervisor Engardio. Aye. Engardio, I. Aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, I. Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar, I. Aye. Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston, I. Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, I. And Supervisor Safai. Aye. Safai, I. There are nine ayes.
4: The item passes.
0: Madam Clerk, could you please read the next item?
1: Item 10 is an ordinance to deappropriate approximately $3.5 million from General City Responsibility and to reappropriate $500,000 to the Municipal Transportation Agency to support free two-hour parking in the Partsmith Square garages, the Ambassador Services and Transit fares for the Lunar New Year Parade in February 2024 to provide $3 million to the Office of Economic and Workforce Development to support a relief fund for Soma area businesses and organizations from direct APAC impacts, impacts and for a small business transit impact relief fund in fiscal year 2023 through
0: 2024. Roll call.
1: On item Oh, two- I'm
0: sorry. Supervisor Gardio, my apologies.
5: Thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank Supervisor Chan, our budget chair, for working with me to secure $1 million in relief funds for small businesses struggling on Terravel due to Muni track reconstruction. I also want to thank Supervisors Mandelman and Melgar for their support on the Budget Committee. While most of Terravel is in my district, Supervisor Melgar shares a section of it, and we know how much our merchants have been hurting. The once-in-a-century replacement of the train tracks and all utilities and infrastructure under Terravel has been a major disruption. Ripping up the entire street is a business killer, Many have reported huge losses in sales. What's the point of a brand new train track and boarding islands serving a corridor without any businesses? When the construction is complete, it will benefit Teravel and its small businesses for the next 100 years. But we can't give up on today's merchants. We need them to be around when the train comes back. That's why these relief funds are so important. Funds should have been set aside years ago when this project was first planned, but that didn't happen. And money is tight in our current budget deficit. We're fortunate to have some unspent funds from last fall's APEC Conference of World Leaders in San Francisco. During APEC, there were small businesses who were harmed by no fault of their own. The merchants suffered from the decisions and actions of city agencies. Terreville merchants have a similar experience. They're at the mercy of the SFMTA to finish this project as promised by the end of the year. We are one city. We can help businesses who suffered during APEC last fall and those who continue to suffer today. This is about saving businesses, which benefits the whole city. Because if people stop shopping along San Francisco's merchant corridors and go to Daly City, that's less, less tax revenue for us all. The help we're giving to Soma and Terravel merchants today is just the beginning. We must plan ahead for every major construction project and disruptive event we know is coming. We need a dedicated relief fund that can offer small businesses a lifeline to get them through the disruption wherever it happens in San Francisco. And I would like to be added as a co-sponsor and would appreciate all of my colleagues' support for this important legislation. Thank you.
0: Supervisor Melgar.
6: I'd just like to be added as a co-sponsor, please. Thank you, President Peskin.
0: Supervisor Safai. Please add me as a co-sponsor. Okay, on the item, a roll call please.
1: On item 10, Supervisor Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie I, Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton I, Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan I, Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey I, Supervisor Engardio. Aye. Engardio I, Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman I, Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar I, Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin I, Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston I, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, aye. And Supervisor Safagi. Safagi, aye. There are 11 ayes.
0: The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please.
1: Item 11 is a resolution to authorize the tax collector to sell at public auction certain parcels of tax-defaulted real property as defined herein.
0: Seeing no names on the roster, same house, same call. The resolution. Oh,
2: Supervisor Safi. Sorry, sorry, Mr. I didn't hit it quick enough. Um, I'd like to make a motion to remove three of the occupied properties on this list, Mr. President, from the tax default. Um, and if you'd like, I can name those properties into the record. But these are individuals that have uh, these are properties that have individuals living in them. We've reached out to them. We've talked with them, and we'd like more time to try and work out um, completing their applications with the California Mortgage Relief Program. They're great candidates for the program and think if with more time they'll be successful in paying their delinquent property taxes. So I'd like to thank the Treasurer and Tax Collector staff uh, with their tremendous effort uh, to connect these property owners with these services. They consistently exceeded their legal mandate and outreach and want to thank them for that. Um, nonprofit profit legal services from HERA, Home Ownership SF, Balance Legal Assistance for the Elderly, and um, connecting them with the state programs like Cal Mortgage Relief and Cal HFA. So thank you. If we can uh, amend and remove. Should I read the property addresses into yes, the record? Yes, please. Okay. 92 Ellington Avenue. Of,
0: uh, what page?
2: Um, I think it's on page three of the auction list.
0: Page three... One, two. Ready? Ellington?
2: Yeah, 92 Ellington Avenue. Yeah, I see it. Uh, 41 Sears. I see it. And 26 Stanley Street.
0: Okay, Ms. Amanda Freed from the Treasurer Tax Collector's Office.
7: Hi. Good afternoon Amanda Freed from the treasurer's office. Uh, we have no objections. Thank you.
0: Thank you. All right, so a motion made by Supervisor Safai to remove the three aforementioned properties seconded by Supervisor Stephanie colleagues Can we take that amendment without objection without objection? The amendment is passed and on the item as amended We will pass it same house, same call. The resolution is adopted as amended. Next item, please.
1: Item 12 is a resolution to authorize the Mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to expand 200,000 SOMA Community Stabilization Fund monies to address various impacts of destabilization on residents and businesses in SOMA for a term through June 30th, 2026.
0: Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item.
1: Item 13, resolution to approve and authorize the ex- execution of a First Amendment to the amended and restated loan agreement with Octavia RSU Associates, a California limited partnership, to increase the loan amount by approximately $8.56 million, a- a- and for a new total loan amount of 35- $35.3 million, to finance additional costs related to 78 H Street, and to authorize the mayor and the director of the mayor's Office of Housing and Community Development to execute documents, make certain modifications, and take further actions as defined in the resolution.
0: Seeing no names on the roster, same house, same call, the resolution is adopted. Next item, please.
1: Item 14. This is a resolution to approve and authorize the execution, delivery and performance of the amended and restated lease number 17134 for building 49 located at 701 uh, Illinois Street within Crane Cove Park between the Port of San Francisco and the Young Men's Christian Association of San Francisco, the YMCASF, with no change to the initial term of 10 years retroactive to August 1st, 2023, plus options to extend for a total term of up to 34 years and 11 months to include an initial $93,000 annual base rent to affirm the CEQA determination and to make the appropriate findings.
0: Seeing no names on the roster, we'll take this same house, same call. The resolution is adopted, and I'd like to recognize and acknowledge the students visiting from Minerva University who are observing the Board of Supervisors for their civics and government course, welcome. Madam Clerk, would you please read the next item.
1: Item 15 was referred without recommendation from the Budget and Finance Committee. It's an ordinance to amend the Administrative Code to extend by five years from May 5th, 2024 through May 5th, 2029, the sunset date of the provisions authorizing the Department of Homelessness and support of housing to enter into and amend contracts without requiring competitive bidding for services relating to sites and programs for people experiencing homelessness and the Department of Public Works to enter into and amend contracts without adhering to the Environment Code or to provisions relating to competitive bidding Equal benefits, local business enterprise utilization, and other requirements for construction work and services relating to projects addressing homelessness to affirm the secret determination and to make the appropriate findings. Roll call. On item 15, Supervisor Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, I. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, I. Supervisor Chan. No. Chan, no. Supervisor Dorsey. No. Dorsey, no. Supervisor Ringardio. Engardio aye Supervisor Mandelman Aye. Mandelman I, Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar I, Supervisor Peskin. No. Peskin, no, Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston I Supervisor Ronan. Aye. Ronan Aye. And Supervisor Safayi. No. Safayi, no. There are seven ayes and four no's, with supervisors Chan, Dorsey, Peskin, and Safayi voting no.
0: The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please.
1: <laughs> item 16. This is an ordinance to amend the Public Works Code to waive the banner and inspection fees for nonprofit organizations in certain neighborhood commercial districts and neighborhood commercial transit districts through December 31st, 2026, to affirm the secret determination and to make the appropriate findings. Roll call. On item 16, Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, I. Supervisor Walton. Walton, I. Supervisor Chan. Chan, I. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey I, Supervisor Engardio. Aye. Engardio, I, Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman I, Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar I, Supervisor Peskin. Aye. Peskin I, Supervisor Preston. Aye. Preston aye, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan Aye. And Supervisor Safayi Aye. I aye. There are eleven ayes.
0: The ordinance is passed on first reading. Supervisor Walton? Okay, next item, please.
1: Item 17, this is a resolution to apologize on behalf of the Board of Supervisors of the City and County of San Francisco to African Americans and their descendants for systemic and structural discrimination, targeted acts of violence and atrocities, and committing to the rectification and redress of past policies and misdeeds. Supervisor Walton.
3: Thank you so much, Chair Peskin. I just want to take the time first to thank all of my colleagues for their co-sponsorship of this historic resolution. I also want to thank the entire African American reparations advisory committee, the entire community, including all of our allies and everyone who continues to want to right the wrongs of past harms. This historic resolution apologizes on behalf of San Francisco to the African American community and their descendants for decades of systemic and structural discrimination, targeted acts of violence, atrocities, as well as committing to the rectification and redress of past policies and misdeeds. We have much more work to do, but this apology most certainly is an important step in one of the over 100 recommendations made by the African American Reparations and Advisory Committee. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Walton, Supervisor Preston.
3: Thank you, President Peskin
8: and uh, Supervisor Walton. I want to thank you for your leadership on this resolution, um, as well as your steadfast commitment um, to racial justice and specifically to making uh, reparations a reality here in city and county of San Francisco. And I also want to join with you in thanking uh, Chair McDonnell Vice Chair Hollins, the entire Reparations Advisory Committee for their work, as well as the Human Rights Commission, uh, for facilitating uh, the, the work of the uh, of the Reparations Advisory Committee. Um, and as you've noticed, this formal apology was a recommendation of the Reparations Advisory Committee. I fully support it and uh, proudly co-sponsored it um, at introduction. Uh, I did want to comment, and we had a very interesting hearing. I thought in uh, GAO and appreciated a lot of the public testimony. Um, Chair McDonald noted at the GAO committee hearing on this uh, that we know that an apology without action uh, rings hollow. Um, And I think that's why this must be seen in context as a necessary part of accountability and reparations not as an end in itself but it is an important step nonetheless uh, and is meaningful and lays the groundwork for further commitments to the black community uh, here in our city. Um, I want to emphasize a point that the Reparations Advisory Committee Vice Chair Tanish Hollins said um, at the GAO committee hearing on this, and that I hear regularly from the constituents that I represent uh, in District 5, and that is uh, that people want an apology, um, but they also want a commitment not to repeat harms. And too often our city engages in policies that, in the words of Vice Chair Hollands, quote guarantee repetition and right now some leaders will back this apology while also backing drug testing to deny public assistance benefits to the poor ramping up arrests of people addicted to drugs criminalizing homelessness instead of housing people building unaffordable housing for mostly wealthy white people on public housing land and removing oversight of police when they use force disproportionately against black and brown people. We have an obligation to center racial justice in every aspect of our work, and as Vice Chair Holland said in the committee, a tenant of reparations is a guarantee of non-repetition. This city has policies that are doing harm And we see new policies being proposed every day, particularly in the context of political campaigns that will compound that harm. And I think it's our job as supporters of reparations, and I'm proud that every member of this Board of Supervisors is on record supporting reparations, but it is our job as supporters of reparations not just to back good policies, but as Vice Chair Hollins put it, to quote, stand in front of anything that will do more harm to black San Franciscans and all of San Francisco. Meanwhile, we have before us this important resolution. Uh, As with the reparations report, the resolution itself is an educational document. And I would urge everyone in the public to read it in its entirety. And I appreciate the care and thought uh, that Supervisor Walton and his team put into uh, such an important resolution. In committee, I quoted in detail from the resolution about some provisions with particular particular residents for the community I represent in the Fillmore. I will not reread those provisions. You can read them uh, for yourself. But I will say that it is the part about redevelopment and the legacy of displacement from the Western edition. And this is not just history. And I want to emphasize this. We face similar issues right now today and how we handle development issues at Midtown Park Apartments, at Plaza East, at the Safeway Lot, and other housing complexes in the Western Edition will show whether we have learned from the past and are committed to repairing damage, delivering for black residents, and bringing displaced families back to the Fillmore, or whether we simply repeat the injustices of the past, placing profits over people to the detriment of black residents of San Francisco. So thank you again, Supervisor Walton, for your leadership on this resolution and far beyond this resolution. um, It is a privilege to serve on this board with you.
0: Thank you, Supervisor. Supervisor Ronan. Supervisor Ronan.
9: Thank you.
0: Supervisor Ronan.
9: Thank you, I wanted to uh, thank you Supervisor Preston and associate myself with your comments. I I was thinking the exact same thing and I don't need to repeat it, Um, but I wanted to just take the opportunity uh, to thank you Supervisor Walton for providing uh, so much leadership on this board uh, to get some measure of justice for the black community here in San Francisco. Uh, This this apology is a historic uh, move, and and it it is meaningful in and of itself, but it's it's just the beginning and not nearly enough. And uh, standing next to you fighting uh, for real material changes uh, for the black community in San Francisco has, has been an honor. And I just can't commend your fight and your work enough and the work of this entire community. I also just wanted to mention and add to what Supervisor Preston said, that there was a moment in history during the pandemic in 2020 after the horrific murder of George Floyd, where you could feel a change happening and you could feel uh, a recognition of the, the injustice and, and horrors of slavery and its legacies in this country and the continuing horrors and injustice from slavery that happen every day today. And there was a moment where even in the midst of a very scary pandemic, uh, people in the United States were everywhere, all across the country, out in the streets and saying enough is enough. And it was one of the most exciting moments that I've ever gotten to live through because it felt like there was a real fundamental change and reckoning happening. And then, and, then I don't, and then I don't know what happened, but that moment seems to have gone away. And now we are back to the same old, same old record, rhetoric uh, that has continued uh, the injustices and the inequities uh, and, the, and the awful racism against the African-American Uh, population uh, all over the country and right here in San Francisco. And uh, similar to Supervisor Preston, that same old rhetoric, blaming, blaming poor people for their poverty, uh, blaming uh, uh, the victims of injustice for the injustice, Uh, all the same old tired over-incarceration techniques to deal with health issues that have failed for the past hundred years in this country. So I just really hope that uh, beginning uh, with this official apology, which is a big deal um, here in this city, that we get back to that moment in May of 2022, or 2020, um, where we saw the beginnings of uh, a monumental change and um, I'm just so proud to be a co-sponsor and to be voting on this today. Thank you.
0: Supervisor Safai. Supervisor Safai.
2: Thank you, President Peskin. Thank you, uh, Supervisor Walton, uh, for your tremendous effort uh, working with the uh, advisory committee with all the recommendations. I think this is the least of which what we could take. I uh, really appreciate uh, what you said and the words you said and, and putting a fine point on it. Um, this is one step, but there's a lot more work that needs to be done. So thank you for your leadership. Um, okay. Supervisor, also want to add on to what Supervisor Preston said. I mean, we have a, a real-world example in this moment. Two lots that were sold by the redevelopment agency that displaced black-owned businesses and black families in the historic Fillmore. For $1.5 million, those lots were sold. And they asked Safeway to come in and here we are now, those lots are up for sale. And I know that we can do better. We can come back and ensure that we're going to make sure that that is something that the black community benefits from for generations to come. So I appreciate that. Thank you for your leadership. And I'm, I'm proud to have my name on uh, a first step, which is the simplest step. And thank you to Chair McDonald. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being in the audience. And thank you for your leadership as well. Thank you, Supervisor. Thank you.
0: All right, that's enough, ma'am, 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 we had public comment on this item, that's Ma'am, colleagues, see no other names on the roster. This resolution is approved, same house, same wait, wait, wait. call. The resolution is adopted unanimously. Next item, please.
1: Item 18, this is an ordinance to authorize Madam settlement. Madam
0: Clerk, would you read items 18 through 20 together?
1: Thank you, Mr. President. Item 18, this is an ordinance to authorize settlement of the lawsuit filed by Mason Masuda against the city for approximately $9 million involving alleged personal injury on a city street. Item 19, this resolution approves settlement of unlitigated claims against Florence Kong, Kinwo Construction, Inc., Quanwo Ironworks, Inc., and SFR Recovery, Inc., for restitution and civil penalty payments totaling 750000 The claims involve allegations that Florence Kong provided gifts to a city official with the intent to unlawfully influence city officials in award of city contracts to the Kong parties. Other material terms of the settlement are that all of the Kong parties will be debarred except for Kwanwo Ironworks, Inc., which will be uh, suspended for a minimum term of three years and until full payment of the uh, settlement amount of 750,000 has been made. Item 20, resolution to approve a tolling agreement to extend the statute of limitations for Lyft Inc to bring potential litigation against the city for a refund of approximately 5.1 million of gross receipts, homelessness, gross receipts, and payroll expense taxes to allow for possible resolution of the matter without (laughs) litigation.
0: All right, seeing no names on the roster, we will take these items, same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading and resolutions adopted. Madam Clerk, why don't we go to our 230 special order commendations. And I don't see our controller. Did he skip out on it? There he is. He's here. (laughs) Colleagues. (laughs) Uh, today, quite frankly, is a day that I have been <clears throat> dreading uh, since our esteemed controller confided in me back in September that he would be, I think the term is now officially stepping away from his heralded role as our city controller and all-around problem solver after serving as a true public servant for the last 26 years. Um, I know you all know this, but Ben is one of those stable, consistent, and dedicated public servants uh, who kind of grew up in this building uh, after being relocated uh, or after relocating to San Francisco and being hired by my then nemesis, who I honored in these chambers a couple of weeks ago, former Mayor Willie Brown, back in 1997. He was a trusted budget and financial advisor, serving five mayors, although Our budget analyst, uh, Harvey Rose, noted that he has actually served under five controllers uh, and many, many more boards of supervisors through recessions, economic booms, good fiscal times, and bad. Ben served as a mayor's budget analyst, city services audit analyst, mayor's budget director, and deputy city administrator before being appointed by Mayor Newsom and confirmed by the board of supervisors that I was then president of back uh, in 2008 as San Francisco's controller. We're all aware of the role he's played furthering funding of our rainy day and other budgetary reserves through, fiscal, through prudent fiscal management and practical planning that has ensured uh, that San Francisco has enjoyed superlative triple-A bond ratings from Moody's and Standard and & Poor's and Fitch and healthy fiscal reserves for many years. He was an anchor during some of the darkest days of the pandemic with an entire team of incredibly hardworking staff that worked around the clock at the Emergency Operations Center and City Hall, uh, not only to interface with FEMA and the federal and state government, uh, but help run the city through a successful COVID pandemic operation, uh, even through uncertainty and dwindling coffers uh, and everything that loomed overhead. For many new legislative aides, who have not succumbed to the myths and lore, we've uh, had to clarify repeatedly that Ben actually does not have a secret magic money uh, couch cushion that he unleashes to help us close the budget deficits and seal the 11th hour budget night negotiation deals. But Ben, you have always been uh, a closer, and when we see your exhausted smile, Uh, in the wee hours of the morning after the final budget vote, we know everything's going to be okay. Uh, While his financial work is well known, many don't know that Ben also oversaw so many other functions of our city government that only a neutral and extraordinarily ethical leader can do. Everything from performance audits to investigating ethics and city corruption complaints. He has been our Ombudsman, our Chief Financial Officer, and our city referee. There's A real reason that every new commission or oversight body always has a seat for the controller's Office and why we rely on his unbiased, nonpartisan leadership. Actually, Ben does have a bias. His bias has always been whatever is best for San Francisco and San Franciscans. We've all benefited from his diplomacy and collaboration during some very tough budget years through numerous controversies as well as during many rounds of business tax updates and tax policy debates. When budget negotiations would reach a fever pitch, particularly back when Chris Daly was on the Board of Supervisors, Ben was always there to calmly state the facts, tell everybody what the options were, and steer the discussion toward solutions, and was often sent into the fray to be the city's messenger and ambassador with outside parties from labor unions to community-based uh, nonprofits and for-profits, for-profit business advocates. And this requires trust a seeming impossibility in modern-day governance. And that trust was built over many years, demonstrating profound integrity and a work ethic that has made Ben a beloved advisor for so many, not just electeds, not just city staff. I can tell you that my chief of staff, Sunny Angulo, actually literally started crying when I told her that Ben was leaving. (laughs) For many aides, his nickname was Clark Kent, probably because of those studious glasses that he dons and that mild-mannered demeanor, but also for his reputation as being an undercover Superman who is always there to save the day. Ben has mentored and empowered so many city workers to be the very best versions of themselves, and for that, I am deeply appreciative. You've been a trusted confidant for a very long time, and I'm still not, not quite sure what we'll do without you, but I know that The incredible team that you've assembled and mentored in your office will continue to uphold your legacy and your integrity, and that your successor will only benefit from the groundwork that you've laid, Ben. No one will be able to replicate your stories, though I look forward to your memoir, which I'm sure the statute of limitations hasn't run on. But I know that you feel more comfortable leaving now that I've given Willie Brown a commendation in this chamber to which you commented that you've now seen everything come full circle so you can go in <laughs> peace. Although I fully expect you to keep your pledge to come back and help pinch it in the tough months ahead. I want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts, Ben, for all the many hats you've worn, everything that you've accomplished, and for your friendship and your wise counsel You have my deepest respect, and with that, I know that my colleagues have words to share as well. And then, after we're done doing that, I'd like to take public comment on item 43 uh, and hear that, Supervisor Chan.
10: Thank you, President Peskin. Just really wanted to thank you, uh, Controller Rosenfeld, for. just your years of service, but most incredible is your really real brain, and uh, that you are able to help me, someone like me, um, you know, understand, and not just me. I think you know the community and my colleagues to understand. Uh, the the numbers before us in context. And to be able to put things in the context every day, but most importantly, three o'clock in the morning uh, and on a budget night, is not an easy feast. And I still have the little sticky that you gave me, uh, budget night for for in 2023, just help me put things in context about both in the overall big budget process, but also what we also known as um, you know, finalizing the ad bag and whatnot, uh, but just that ability to put things in that one little sticky note—it uh, was just amazing, and I just am so grateful. We're gonna—you're gonna be greatly missed. Um, and I think uh, then our newly appointed controller Greg Wagner had a big shoes to fill, uh, but I don't think, uh, like I said before, I—I I, I think that. Um, I don't think you're going to go far. Like what President Peskin said, I think that, you know, if we need you, we, we are going to, or at least I will, be calling on you in the coming months to be helping us. Um, but, again, just thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much for um, your integrity and uh, allow us to trust you during this process and during all these years. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, usher us through tough times, especially, uh, and make sure that San Francisco remains um, the fiscally the sound government that it is and that we will not go straight. So thank you so much.
0: Supervisor Mandelman.
4: <laughs> thank you, uh, President Peskin. Thank you for your uh, perfect words for, uh, for Ben Rosenfield. Um, I, uh, well, as the District 8 Supervisor, I will, t- I will claim Ben Rosenfield as a resident of District 8, and we're very <laughs> proud of you. Um, I have said at different times and uh, during my time on this board that the best form of local government is Benocracy, and um, I still sort of believe that that would be correct. Um, I think that, I mean, at a very basic level, Ben's job has been to make sure that we don't spend more money than we have. And um, he, has, he has done that, but he has done so much more, um, I think working with Room 200 and with us and somehow managing to make each of us, who all see the world through slightly different or very different eyes, with different perspectives, um, trust him and believe that he can uh, be honest and transparent about his own um, policy preferences and also understand our policy preferences and try to figure out the best, uh, most productive, least destructive <laughs> way to do whatever the thing is that we want to do. And he's um, just an extraordinary talent and I feel so lucky um, that I have been able to work with Ben uh, for these years and uh, I uh, am not thrilled about your your leaving. Without, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it is um, Uh, Greg Wagner is stepping into um, hard shoes to fill Um, although I'm I'm looking forward to working with him as well, but we are so grateful, Ben, for your work. Thank you, Supervisor Mandelman. Supervisor Melgar.
6: Thank you, uh, President Peskin, and thank you for uh, your words. Uh, Ben, I have known and trusted you implicitly for a very long time uh, since I met you uh, while we were both working for uh, then-Mayor Gavin Newsom and through the years as a nonprofit um, director, contracting with the city, and then as an aide, and uh, now in this role. Um, I have always admired your particular combination of brilliance, kindness uh, and generosity with your time and thoughts. Um, And so I will miss you dearly. Uh, I will miss your leadership uh, and your North Star. Um, I I like the uh, binocracy uh, (laughs) thing. Um, But, you know, it is that sort of values-driven thing that you'll always bring to the conversation um, and, uh, you know, just Righteousness. I will miss you dearly. I know that Greg will be a good controller But um, I hope you're still around uh, in our conversations here at the city I know you will be um, And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for what you've done for our city uh, And for the issues that we care about. Thank you, Ben.
11: Thank you supervisor Melgar supervisor Dorsey. Thank you President Peskin um, you know, One thing that I came to realize early in my career in this building, and I think that was especially working in the San Francisco City Attorney's Office, was that if I could be comfortable with being the dumbest person in the room, I could learn an awful lot from some incredibly smart, incredibly dedicated, and talented public servants. Um, those people have included um, Buck Delventhal and Jesse Smith and Yvonne Murray and Ann Pearson. Um, those people also include you. Uh, and I have really uh, appreciated the opportunities that we have had to work together. Unfortunately, I was only had, had a year and a half here to, to work with you as a member of the Board of Supervisors, but I know knew you long before that by reputation. Um, and I know we spoke recently about how I will uh, continue to rely on you for free advice from time to time. Um, I still have a lot of, to learn from dedicated public servants and uh, even people who are no longer maybe on the public payroll. So you can expect some phone calls from me from time to time. Um, and I just want to express my gratitude for your public service.
0: Thank you, Supervisor. Supervisor Walton.
3: Thank you, President Peskin. And of course, I just want to add my voice to the has Ben, you've been someone who has guided this city through a recession, through a precedent pandemic and you've been able to deliver bad news consistently um but <laughs> <laughs> but 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 in a way that doesn't make you feel completely hopeless hopeless <laughs> and you know you've also um allowed for innovation and remained neutral through the work and so i just want to appreciate you for how professional you remain through some crazy conversations and some crazy times and for your ability really to just provide facts and information and do it in a way that that keeps us hopeful as we move forward. So thank you so much. You will be missed and I appreciate all of your work.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Walton. Supervisor Ronan.
9: Thank you, Um, Ben. I know I've gotten a chance to tell you how much you've meant to me and have meant to the city. Uh, um, You are one of a kind. I, 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 just hope that you're leaving feeling so good and so proud of the work that you've done for this city for so long. And so I'll concentrate my time just saying, enjoy, enjoy what's in front of you. Enjoy your family. Enjoy not being stressed out all the time. Enjoy not being on the clock all the time. Uh, You have given so much of yourself and have done such extraordinary work. And I hope uh, that in this transition time, you have a blast and whatever you decide to do next uh, ignites your fire and uh, takes advantage of your enormous talents. Uh, but I also hope that I get to keep in touch with you forever because you have been someone that I've admired uh, so deeply in the city and just very grateful
0: for all your work. Thank you, Supervisor Ronan, Supervisor Preston.
8: Thank you, President Peskin, and uh, ditto to what my colleagues have said. It's interesting on the bad news that Supervisor Walton referred to. I don't know, for the first few years when I was in this job, it was a little bit of a pattern, I don't know, for the rest of you, where you get the really bad news from Ben followed in your next meeting by it's not as bad as I thought it was, and then follow the next meeting with it's actually good news. But all that seems to have vanished in the last year, and so Ben is getting out uh, just in time <laughs> and leaving for Greg the, uh, the unenviable task of uh, delivering bad news that gets worse. Let's hope not. Um, <laughs> But look, I, I, you know, my colleagues have said it, you're one of a kind and uh, just bring such incredible um, integrity, professionalism, uh, consistency, kindness, um, and uh, just, just tremendous service to this city and to the people of this city. And no matter what politically charged environment you are walking into, delivering in a, in a in a um, in a professional way and in a real way for the people of San Francisco is what guides you at every step of the way. Um, I am sad to see you go as well. Um, I will say this: as I've thought about it and thought about how we're going to do some of these things, whether it's dealing with the budget or trying to come up with creative approaches, and I won't go through all of them, but there are so many things where it seemed like it was impossible to do until you have a long conversation and then another one with Ben Rosenfield who sits down and figures out how we're gonna get it done for the city city and the residents of the city. Um, So it's hard for us to think about losing you, but I I will say that the part of your work that I think is underappreciated and why I think we will be okay without you is that you have led an incredible team at the controller's office uh, that is in place to continue to work uh, and support Greg uh, and to move uh, this work forward and I think that um, that is certainly something that I think uh, the public doesn't see as much, the sort of behind the scenes work that, you're, <laughs> that the team that you lead does uh, every day in this city so that leaves me uh, optimistic, even as I'm still scratching my head and me and my team are trying to figure out uh, what a post-Ben Rosenfield, uh, City of San Francisco, controller's office looks like. But thank you for everything, Ben, appreciate your your partnership and everything you've given to the city and wish you all the best.
0: Thank you, Supervisor President, Supervisor Safai.
2: Thank you, uh, President Peskin. Thank you, uh, Ben, for your tremendous service to our city. Um, Not many people would have committed themselves to uh, as long and as diligently as you have in the type of job that you have. And the reason I say that is because, as you know, the amount of stress that comes along with making the difficult decisions and making the difficult recommendations. I I just want to add my voice to the chorus. As someone that came on this board almost seven-plus years ago, the amount of times that I've learned from you, the amount of times that you've come into the room and presented options and given us really, really, really strong choices to make the right decisions for San Francisco. And I think that's not an easy task and it's not an easy role to fill. So just wanna say, been personally um, strengthened by our relationship in terms of the role that I have on this board and the work that I have done and learned tremendously from the work that you have done in this city. And I'll just say, I know one thing, that when, when Ben's word is, or stamp is, of approval is put on something, it ends, up giving, it ends up being the golden seal. And it's hard to argue against. And so he's like, well, hey, the controller said this. So it changes the nature of the debate. And I think that's a really, really important role. And it's done in a non-political way, in a very objective and fair way in terms of what's Better for San Francisco often you 'll hear the words come out of ben 's mouth well i 'm going to give you some options let me let me put together some options for you, supervisor. Let me put some ideas together and then let 's touch space again and That to me is a really, really important role, and I think you 're the person following in your shoes um, hopefully we 'll keep on the same tradition of that work. So just want to say personally, thank you for your service, thank you for being um, The guide that you were to all of us and i look forward to seeing you in your next endeavor
0: supervisor stephanie
7: thank you president peskin and thank you for taking this opportunity to honor ben who you have done the incredible you have united this entire board of supervisors in agreeing that you are one of a kind and you will be so missed When I heard you were leaving, I too was dumbfounded thinking how on earth are we going to be able to do our jobs without him? I have been in this building for 17 years and you were here when I got here. And the entire time you've been a breath of fresh air. You've been kind, you're brilliant, you're even keeled, you're level headed, you're pragmatic. You're everything anybody would want and deserve in a public servant. And I can't thank you enough for that. Working with you this past year on the nonprofit legislation has been absolutely amazing. And how many times have you said, Supervisor, if I'm hearing you correctly, this is, you know, you're a very good listener, and you repeat back what we want, and you find a way to make it happen. And I just am going to miss you so much. You are just incredible. And I, I hope you enjoy your next endeavors, but you will always be in our hearts here in, at the Board of Supervisors. Thank you, Ben.
0: Mr. Controller, on your second or third to last day, the floor is yours, Ben.
12: Thank you, Mr. President, members of the board. I will be brief. Um, Thank you so much for those words. Uh, Very touching for me. Um, I have no PowerPoint here today, so that (laughs) makes me somewhat uncomfortable. Um, But just a couple of quick comments. Um, I moved to the city in 1997, uh, much younger, younger me trying a new city on a new coast. Um, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my time, uh, frankly. I remember my first day at City Hall. Um, I was, it started badly and ended well. I uh, was late for an informational interview with Mayor Brown's Chief of Staff Eleanor Johns because I arrived at City Hall only to find that it was closed for seismic retrofit and I had to figure out where is this veterans building thing. Um, so late to an informational interview, but the day ended uh, with an offer to work uh, as the most junior budget analyst in the mayor's budget office, um, and I've been here ever since. So I've had, a, I'm approaching about 10,000 days that have happened since then. Um, <coughs> the best of them have had to do with my personal life, and I'm very happy to have uh, the three most important people to me here, Sophia. Sophia. Lila and Vivian, uh, today, somewhere, hiding in the back. Um, But professionally, it's been a a fantastic ride as well. Um, I have found the work often frustrating, sometimes frustrating, often hard, um, but always interesting. Um, It's always felt like it was important. And I've always gotten to do it with fantastic people around our government. Um, and that's made it worth it for me. Um, uh, Mr. President, you were my first presentation at the Board of Supervisors as a budget director in the dot-com bust. You were sitting there as budget committee chair. Uh, You were the president when I was first appointed 16 years ago to this job. Uh, And it's an honor that you were still on the dais as I kind of step away from my role. So thank you for all of our work together. Um, It was deeply humbling to me and scary to be handed the keys by the mayor and the board to the controller's office, the the house that my predecessor Ed Harrington built uh, when I started in this role 16 years ago. Um, It has been an honor to be in that work for the last 16 years, working with all of you, with mayors through good times and bad. Um, And it fills me with great pride to know that I'm kind of handing the keys off now to someone else Uh, for an office that continues to be filled with just fantastic people doing fantastic work every day often hidden from view and so it gives me great comfort knowing that you will be well served by Greg in the role and by the army of people around Greg in the controller's office that will make things work Um, and again just thank you very much it's been an honor don't go away Ben Uh, hold on one second
0: madam clerk would you read item number 43 please out of order
1: Yes, Mr. President. Mm -hmm. Item 43. This is a resolution to commend and honor Ben Rosenfield for his outstanding service as the San Francisco controller and declaring February 29th, 2024 as controller Ben Rosenfield Day in the city and county of San Francisco.
0: Are there any members of the public? this is your chance for public comment. Are there any members of the public (laughs) who would like to comment on item number 43?
13: Bravo. But you really live in science fiction. This is San Francisco, not science fiction. Good job. You know what? I'm sorry. You're still going to have to pay... For what you did or not do. Everybody has to pay. San Francisco in a worse shape than it was 20 years ago. That's it. Sir, I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. Get Merci. ready to pay and be happy to do it.
0: Are there any other members of the public who would like to comment on item 43 Ben Rosenfield Day? Otto. Ben! Ben!
11: I'd just like to say that it's been an honor to work for the controller, and we will miss him every day, except for the fact that our snacks will not disappear quite so quickly in the, in the- <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seeing no other members of the public for item 43. Oh, Mr. President, yes.
1: we do have an ADA requester. Ah,
0: okay, please proceed.
1: All right, staff, please send him through. Welcome, Mr. Petrellis.
14: Hello. Hello, this is Michael Petrellis calling. I am a public advocate. And for years, I have filed public records requests with Ben. Um, my requests have asked for his what is known as a Prop G calendar. And um, Ben um, and his staff Um, uh, they they follow the letter of the law about Prop G calendars, and they give me his calendar within three business days. And um, this is in a remarkable contrast with other public officials who, when I make a request for their Prop G calendars, they don't acknowledge that I've made the request or they don't provide me with their uh, calendars within three business days. Um, So I uh, really wish that um, uh, while Ben was the controller that uh, there was an effort made at the Board of Soups. I wish that supervisors had saluted Ben for um, just being a, a terrific practitioner of open government. And when a member of the public has come to him and his staff for um, uh, not only his calendar but um, emails about certain subjects and all, they again um, acknowledge receiving the request and then they process it um, as required by law um, within a few business days. So I hope that Ben's successor will um, continue uh, these terrific policies about um, uh, adhering to Open Sunshine Laws here in San Francisco. So thank you, Ben, for being a model public uh, uh, servant about public records.
0: Thank you, Mr. Petrellis. Public comment on item 43 is now closed and we will take that same house, same call. The resolution is adopted and Mr. Controller, we would like to present you with a official proclamation declaring February 29th, Ben Rosenfield Day in the city and county of San Francisco. Please step into the well. Madam Clerk, could you please read our 3 p.m. Special Order, Items 28 through 32. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. I forgot. I was so excited about sending Ben off. Uh, We will go back to our 2.30 p.m. Special Order Commendation, Supervisor Melgar.
6: Thank you, uh, President. Uh, Colleagues, today I have the distinct honor of presenting a special commendation in celebration of Black History Month, Black Futures Month to a special team uh, from within the Department of Emergency Communications at the Department of Emergency Management. Uh, Janet Fallings, Theodore de de Resigne, um, Evora Hurd, Antoinette Akoff and Raquel Dawson, come on up. (laughs) Together, uh, this outstanding team has a collective 132 years of service to our city um, in keeping our whole community safe. Uh, This dedicated group of people helped get our department through COVID pandemic, the staffing crisis, construction woes during the renovation of the 911 dispatch center, um, power outages, a national security special event, (laughs) as well as countless everyday emergencies. Every single one of these folks uh, rose through the ranks. Of 911 dispatch and are all either watch coordinators or, in one case, a deputy director. So often, our dispatchers and the staff that manages the teams are overlooked um, as first responders when they are literally and figuratively the lifeline of our residents in need of support during emergencies. The job is difficult and taxing, it's hard on your families, um, but so critical that we have these individuals, and and I just wanna thank you also from the bottom of my heart for your dedication uh, in your careers to the service of the people of San Francisco. Um, We are so proud uh, that this uh, management team exemplifies black excellence in leadership at paving the way and building up a path for other folks uh, who are African American and uh, staff uh, to become leaders, to exercise that leadership in our community. On behalf of the Board of Supervisors and the residents of San Francisco, thank you for all you do uh, to keep us safe uh, and for sticking with us through it all. Now, without further delay, I'd like to turn it over to you, to collectively accept this commendation and to say a few words. And I see uh, our fearless leader here, Mary Helen, uh, if you wanna say a few words as well. Thank you.
9: Thank you. Um, I really want you to hear from these folks. Uh, I just wanna thank you, supervisor, for this recognition. This is truly a team that deserves it. Um, as we all know, you don't see 911 staff very often because they're you know, back there doing the job. Um, I'm so proud of this team. Um, They have come up through the ranks. They are unbelievably dedicated and work well beyond the hours that they're paid on a regular basis and uh, I really hope that one of them will be up here taking my job at some point in the relatively (laughs) near future. So this is the future of DEM. I'm proud that we are a department that truly does reflect the community that we serve and we work hard at that but Here they are, more important to hear from them. Thank you.
15: Hello everyone. Um, My name is Janet Action Fallings. I'm the Assistant Deputy Director of the Department of Emergency Management. Okay, I would like to thank the mayor and the board for this wonderful recognition. It is an honor. (laughs) additionally I would like to thank all the women of DM that helped me along my career path I was trying not to cry
0: (laughs) you got this you deal with worse every day
16: (laughs) I will go ahead and refer Janet Um, additionally she would like to thank all the women of DM that helped uh, her along along with all of us on our career path, um, all the African-Americans and the admin who placed uh, trails for us, Will Silas, Carrie Dalrymple, and countless supervisors and dispatchers. I would also like to thank my family and friends and most of all the ancestors who came to this land in chains and could not fathom me or us or this moment. Janet Collins.
17: thank you so much for being here this is truly an honor Um, the esteemed board members it is with great honor that I stand with my colleagues in this significant moment we are proud to be the first group of African Americans acknowledged as part of the Department of Emergency Management's management team we will not be the last We recognize the work of our predecessors who labored under different circumstances. I want to express my gratitude to Director Mary Ellen Carroll and Deputy Director Rob Smuts for their open door policy, which we value greatly. We understand there may be days when they regret this policy, (laughs) but we appreciate their willingness to provide honest feedback. With the support of progressive leadership, we can bring about positive change. I'll close with a quote from President Barack Obama. Change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. Thank you very much. my family. I am Evora Janan Hur, daughter of LaVon Janan Kellum King, niece of Carol Tatum. Thank you. Thank you.
18: Hello, everyone. My name is Antoinette Akoff. I have been at the Department of Emergency Communications for 23 years, 14 years as a dispatcher, eight years as a supervisor, And as last August, I joined the management team as a coordinator within our department. It is such a wonderful honor to be here and to be recognized today. I would like to give an extra special thank you to our esteemed mayor, London Breed, to our supervisors, and also our director, Mary Ellen Carroll, and our deputy director, Director Robert Smuts, who was not in attendance on today. You know, when I started 911 23 years ago, it was so scary to enter a job of the unknown, let alone assist 911 callers who were not having a good day and possibly were having the worst times of their lives. But to walk into that establishment back in 2001 and to see others who looked just like me was everything. In a world where African Americans are the minority, I cannot express the importance of representation. Back then it was so good to see dispatchers, supervisors, and managers alike who look just like me. It allowed me to see what was possible within our department. It was the hope that I saw back then that actually is allowing me to stand here on today. And it is the same hope that I have for the other dispatchers and supervisors to see, to know what is possible. As we all stand here before you, we have risen up through the ranks of 911 nothing short of pure determination, ambition, knowledge, skill set, but most of all, for the content of our character. We are the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Thank you.
8: Thank you uh, President Peskin and uh, colleagues in our final meeting uh, during Black History Month. I am honored to recognize Nate Ford, a tireless – come on up, Nate. Come on up there, Nate, while I talk about you for a a couple minutes before we hear from you. But Nate is a tireless community leader who most of you know and have worked with, uh, dedicated to education, to mentorship, and community building through sports and creating safe spaces for youth and their families here in San Francisco. Nate is a San Francisco native who grew up in the Fillmore and graduated from George Washington High School. Mm-hmm. Nate lettered in basketball for three of his four years at George Washington and attended City College before deciding to enter the workforce. In 1990, Nate was appointed to be the athletic director of the San Francisco Boys and Girls Club, Ernest Ingold Clubhouse. Nate would go on and serve in that position until 2013. In those 23 years, Nate oversaw all the athletics for the clubhouse including his most beloved sport, basketball. In 2013, Nate was named the Citywide Sports Director, overseeing the entire athletic program for nine clubhouses in San Francisco, and he served in that role until 2020. In 2020, Nate transitioned from the Boys and Girls Club and went on to serve for almost four years as the Community Development Specialist for the San Francisco Rec and Parks Department Requity Program, a citywide program of Rec Park that offers free recreational programming to youth under 18 living in shelters, foster care, public housing, and other vulnerable community members. Outside Nate's accomplishments at the Boys and Girls Club and Rec Park, some of his most impactful work includes starting the Junior NBA Pee Wee League, the SF Rebels basketball programs. Spearheading the citywide Black History Day essay writing contest for the past 15 years, and co founding a college recruitment academy that focuses on getting underserved kids access and exposure to competitive camps and sports to help prepare athletes to play sports at the college level. Now, the junior NBA Pee Wee program started 33 years ago and with just four teams at that time, ages 6 to 10 years old. And the teams played against each other on Saturdays, with each team led by volunteer coach. Today, that program's grown to 30 teams, separated into four different divisions, and it's expanded the age range up from not just 6 to 10-year-olds, but up to 13-year-olds as well. And just last year, The Junior MBA Pee Wee Program was honored for being the longest-running youth league in California. (laughs) Before I finish up, I just want to note this. When I hear Ben Rosenfield, and all of us talking about Ben Rosenfield, I think, I feel bad for whoever's going to come after this guy for commendations. Then I realized I'm giving an award to Nate Ford, I don't feel bad at all, because I could go on all day about this man. So then you have Nate's SF Rebels traveling basketball programs, began with just one team 34 years ago. It's still going strong. It's expanded to 16 teams, and the Rebels are nationally recognized. Advanced basketball program travels locally in the region and nationally to compete against the nation's best while also maintaining, and Nate always insists, on the participants maintaining good academic standing while they play ball. A significant component of the Rebels, as I mentioned, is the academic resources, tutoring, life coaching, academic case management, entrepreneurship and financial literacy classes and the SAT and ACT prep classes, Nate has helped over 600 youth gain access to attend schools with financial assistance and scholarships. Over 120 Rebels players, 120 have advanced to collegiate leagues. Three players are in professional leagues, including the NFL and the WNBA. Nate, I could go on, but I want to hear you speak. So I will just say this, we are so grateful for everything that you have done and continue to do for the city and county of San Francisco and especially for youth and families here in the city. You have literally saved lives personally reduced community violence, mentored countless leaders, and inspired people, fundamentally inspired people to be their best selves. We want to thank you for all of your work to create spaces for open and honest discussions about race, about diversity, about equality, and doing all that within the context of sports. Your ability to instill a sense of pride and awareness in the young athletes that you mentor in the face of so many challenges that they face is nothing short of amazing. So, thank you for all that you do, and congratulations on this award today. Thank you.
3: Supervisor Walton. So, Nate, I just want to say, you, you know, you deserve a lot more than a, a commendation from the Board of Supervisors, and a lot more than an award like this. I have watched you for decades work with young people, go above and beyond, seven days a week, going hard in the paint for our young people, including one of mine. So I want to appreciate you and acknowledge you publicly in front of everybody Thank you so much for your service, for the work that you have done, and continue to do in all of San Francisco. We 100% appreci- appreciate you, and this is just one of many awards that you deserve for your commitment to our young people. Thank you. Thank
10: you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
16: Mr. Ford. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, Thank thank you. I
19: just All right.
16: All right. Just you yes, Come on. Thank you supervisor Preston, thank you. Um, supervisor Walton, thank you colleagues. <laughs> Supervisor um, thank you. It's, uh, Mayor Breed, appreciate you. Um it's, um, it's a thankless job and it's a tireless job, and it's more than basketball. It's, you know, turning kids around, redirecting, you know. Um, Dr. Amos Brown and I. With Miss Felicia, we were just up at San Bruno Jail, trying to redirect and change lives, and that's what it's all about. Um, you guys are here from one of my former players. She's getting honored tonight, Kyrie. She played for me. Now she pe- passed the bar. You guys are hear her story in a minute, but she's one of mine. Uh, but um, but this is what it's all about. Um, I want to thank my family first because, you know. My kids, um, you know, Destiny, Nashay, Jaleah, Jerry, Lil' Nate, you know, they shared their dad with thousands of kids. And it was a lot of times where I was out at tournaments not around them, not at their stuff. It's a sacrifice and it's, a, it's, a, it's one, you know, that um, you make those tough choices sometimes, but I just always appreciate them for Standing by me and respecting, you know, sometime when dad is not there, you know. Um, I just appreciate him. Um, Iofimi, I don't know if she's here or not, but wanna wow. definitely definitely thank her because she puts up with me. Um <laughs> gone all the time. And that's um that's a tough job in itself. Um a few other people a few other people uh you know <clears throat> um The San Francisco Rebels, families, parents, players, if you're here, stand up. Any of my parents, stand up, thank you, thank you, thank you. I I couldn't do this without you guys because you guys trust me to take your kids all around the country and you trust me to take them for for days, sometimes weeks, so thank you. Um, I wanna thank Boys and Girls Club, uh, Rob Conley, Harold, Maxine, um, some of my other former colleagues is here. Mike, Mike Jones is here. Um, but thank you guys as well. Um, it's just a lot of, uh, a lot of people. Uh, Ray Kelly, Lyndon Barnard, uh, Monica from Park and Rec. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Miss Felicia Jones. You always know I got your back. Thank you. All right. Um, but you know, uh. Since the pandemic, you know, the San Francisco Rebels have produced more scholarships, you know, in that little time. And I remember uh, Supervisor uh, Safai argued that we get some kind of tapes and stuff for those kids. And since then, we've had seven kids going to Division I, um, play Division One sports. And that's been the most, that's been the most in South San Francisco in the last 20 years, including my son, plays for University of Oregon football. So, um. It's been, a, it's been a great ride, so thank you. Um, it's all about bridging the gap. The Rebels was, all, was never about the basketball. It was about just bringing kids from all walks of life and playing with each other. 34 years, we're still doing it. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone, I swear I do. If I missed you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, y'all ain't never seen Coach cry up here before, but thank you guys. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Supervisor Mandelman.
4: Thank you, President Peskin. And if I could get Tyler Termeer to come on up. Dr. <laughs> Termeer. Oh, apparently someone has left their glasses on, in the front, front speaker, somebody, glasses, we got glasses for somebody.
3: Thank All you, right. Mr. Clerk.
16: Hello. All
4: right, uh, colleagues, today on this final Tuesday of Black History Month, I have the joy and honor of presenting a special commendation to Dr. Tyler Termier. LGBTQ plus and HIV AIDS activist, movement leader, philanthropist, fierce dresser, and CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Dr. Tremere grew up in Dublin, Ohio, a small suburb of Columbus that uh, apparently is famous for being the home of Wendy's and that's about it. Um, Initially on the path to a career in the arts, he was inspired by two key figures in his life, his mother and grandmother, whose active engagement in community and politics encouraged him to get more involved. At the age of 21, just entering his senior year of college, Dr. Tremier learned he was HIV positive. And for the next two decades, he would use that diagnosis to give back, to help others living with HIV, and to advocate for strong, effective policy. Starting out as the administrative assistant to a CEO of an HIV organization, Dr. Tremere has served in senior leadership roles at the Ohio AIDS Coalition, Southwest Center for HIV-AIDS, National Alliance of State and Territorial AIDS Directors, and Equitas Health. He's also served as a member of the National Quality Center Consumer Advisory Committee and National Center for Innovation in HIV Care. And the list keeps going. He also served on the Board of Advocates for For Youth, sorry, on the Board of Advocates for Youth, the National Association of People with AIDS, as well as as Positive Peddlers, and HIV-positive cycling group. Dr. Tremier has improved the lives of thousands of people living with HIV or at risk of contracting the virus, and has won national recognition for his effective leadership. In 2012, the Obama White House named him one of the nation's emerging LGBTQ leaders, and then the next year, in 2013, the Obama White House named him part of the the nation's emerging black leadership. In 2014, Dr. Tremere became CEO of the Cascade AIDS Project, the largest community-based provider of HIV services in Oregon and southwest Washington, a position in which he served for more than seven years and during that time, he expanded the organization from a staff of 55 to more than 185, and from one office location to seven across two states. He oversaw a merger with Our House of Portland and launched Prism Health to provide culturally affirming primary and mental health care to LGBTQ communities in the region. On January 4th, 2022, Dr. Tremere was appointed as CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. He is the first black individual and only the second person living with HIV to lead that organization in its 42-year history. Leading the San Francisco AIDS Foundation through the COVID-19 recovery, Dr. Tremere has advocated every level of government for funding and policies that support people living with and at risk for HIV, LGBTQ plus people, and people who use drugs. In a moment where the future of HIV AIDS funding is most uncertain, Dr. Tremere has fought to prioritize getting to zero, through investments in direct services programming at care at the local and state levels. Dr. Tremier has also emphasized programs and services for long-term survivors and people aging with HIV, as more than 50% of those living with HIV are now over the age of 50 nationwide. Equity and inclusion in regards to race, gender, sexuality, age, and other forms of identity are a central focus to Dr. Tremier, and he uses his own experiences and expertise to ensure that the San Francisco AIDS Foundation continues to lead with these values and approaches. Dr. Tirmier, I'm pretty sure that we do not and will not agree on each and every policy question we have to deal with together. And we will surely tussle over this or that matter going forward. But I am very grateful for your work here in San Francisco and beyond. And on behalf of the Board of Supervisors, I want to offer thanks and appreciation for your service and leadership, as well as for your consistent sartorial splendor (laughs) And for giving your amazing mom reasons to visit us. Thank you. Also, I want to thank Andy Stone. Hi, Andy Stone. I see you out there for your help in organizing today's commendation and bringing everyone together to celebrate Dr. Tremere. And with that, Dr. Tremere, the floor is yours.
20: Uh, Well, thank you, uh, Supervisor Mandelman. First, I'd like to thank the Board of Supervisors for this honor and for taking time today to recognize black leadership. You see, as black people, far too often our stories and our contributions in society go untold and unrecognized, so today I'd like to share this recognition with all of the past and present black staff, volunteers and board members of San Francisco AIDS Foundation, whose hard work, dedication and passion have paved a pathway for my own uh, arrival here today. Uh, As you mentioned, it was two years ago this month uh, that I had the honor of walking through the doors of San Francisco AIDS Foundation for the first time in my new role as the Chief Executive Officer. On that day, I joined the foundation as the first black CEO um, just shortly after our first black female board member had joined. Uh, This was really a moment in our history that was profound because it marked a moment in our journey doubled down on our commitment to closing the gap between our stated organizational values and the actions that we were willing to take as an organization. And today I remain filled with so much emotion and unbelievable pride for the amazing team that I have the honor of leading every day at SFAF as I attempt to approach every day of my leadership with both the weight of that responsibility and with the guiding force and support of my ancestors holding me up. Now, this month, Black History Month, it is so important to lift up the critical healthcare services of black communities. Black communities, and in particular, LGBTQ black people, are disproportionately impacted by health crises, including HIV and overdose and face overwhelming challenges including around their housing security and homelessness that only further exacerbate disparities within our own communities. To truly honor black communities, we have to ensure that we continue to invest in the health of our communities. Even in the midst of difficult budget years, we cannot allow cuts to HIV funding and evidence-based overdose prevention programs and services that our communities depend on for survival. Now, I agree. I know that we won't always agree on the approach to solving the critical issues that are impacting our city. I do, however, want to believe that at the end of the day, we have the same end goal, We are each doing what we believe is in the best interest of our city and its people, and it's each of our overall hopes in the midst of multiple issues impacting our city that we are mitigating harm and we are saving lives. And we should be doing so in close communication and collaboration, working together in coordination rather than working past one another in dissonance. So in closing, it's important for me to say that as community leaders, and elected officials, it is central to our mission of confronting racism and anti-blackness to listen to the critiques raised by black leaders and community advocates and to respond to those critiques with visible changes in policies and multifaceted approaches that don't deepen disparities of black and brown people. You see, as community leaders and elected officials, we have a platform that directly influences public opinion over issues of importance. Through the stories we choose to tell, the subjects we uh, portray, the data we uplift, and the voices we represent, all of us contribute to a narrative, whether we want to or not, and whether we believe we're doing it or not. Therefore, each of us has a responsibility not just a responsibility, but a moral obligation to make sure that our narrative and the policies we advocate for strike an appropriate balance and do not propagate systemic racism, further stigmatization, and bring harm to communities that have already been traditionally furthest from access and opportunity. These steps alone will not end systemic racism and anti-blackness in our communities. They are, however, the steps towards change. We must never cease advocating for our people, our movement, or our vision. Thank you so much again for this tremendous honor.
0: Supervisor Walton.
3: Thank you, President Peskin. And I do wanna just say congratulations to all of the honorees today. But it has really been an honor this Black History Month to be able to honor a lot of women trailblazers in our community. Today I have the privilege and the honor of honoring Bayview native Kyrie Howard. Kyrie defied all of the odds as a first-generation college graduate. She earned her bachelor's degree from Tulane University, studying sociology and minoring in psychology and theater. The following year, Kyrie earned her master's of science in criminology from Loyola University. She then continued her education at the University of San Francisco Law School receiving her Juris Doctorate and ultimately passing the California Bar Exam in July of
21: 2023.
3: Kyrie's dedication, perseverance and intellectual prowess have propelled her through years of rigorous study and preparation. With her unwavering commitment to justice and equality, she embodies the spirit of change and progress. Her journey is driven by a deep commitment to not only succeed, but to lead younger generations to serve and uplift her community. I have no doubt that Kyrie will continue to inspire others and make significant contributions to the legal field and beyond. Your future is boundless and your accomplishments are admirable. Your education, the knowledge you gain, cannot be taken away from you. You are an inspiration to all of us, especially to young black women. Keep climbing and congratulations again for graduating from law school and for passing the California Bar Exam. Thank you.
22: Next, I'd like to thank Supervisor, Walt, Supervisor Walton for this acknowledgement. I cannot express enough how important it is to uplift, to uplift one another as it promotes unity, unity within our community. Also thank you for paving the way for people like me and younger generations to come. Next I'd like to give a few thanks to um, people in my family. I'd like to thank my uncle Donald Dudley for his guidance. Everything he says to me is held to a high regard, and a lot of things you taught me has been pivotal to my success in law school and passing the bar exam. My cousin Kyle Church for challenging me to dream bigger. My mother for encouraging me throughout my childhood to try new things, giving me the privilege to focus strictly on school, and challenging me to be the best at whatever I do i also like to thank my grandmother for being the matriarch of my family, instilling the importance of hard work into our heads and how important it is to always keep trying and never to give up. Lastly, I want to thank my family. Can all of my family stand up who's here? This village behind me and the smiles that they, that they are wearing right now is my bigger picture. It always has been my bigger picture. Yes. I couldn't have asked for a better family. The way, you got, the way you all care for others inside of our community, the way that you support people and don't look for something in return, it has inspired me to be who I am today. Um, So I just wanna say thank you again. Your ongoing support is what has gotten me this far. I truly love you all, so thank you.
0: Supervisor
2: Safai. Supervisor Thank you, President Peskin. Okay, colleagues, I know we have a long uh, agenda in front of us, but... I n- <clears throat> hey, folks. All right. So it's absolutely my pleasure to wrap up the uh, commendations today, honoring someone that I have known for almost 20 years, uh, just from our time working in the community, and for his tremendous effort of being a community leader, a father, a coach, and truly an exemplary San Franciscan. And that is Renard Monroe from the Lakeview Community. I'm sure many of you know Renard as he's been actively involved in education and a program facilitator for at least the last two decades and more than half his life uh, and truly a leader for our community. A lot of people say that, a lot of people throw around the word leader but in this instance I want to underscore somebody that reaches out, somebody that listens and somebody that knows how to bring people together and cares about his community and will do everything he can to make sure that it is recognized. Currently, he is the executive director of Youth First. If you're not familiar with Youth First, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of background of them. It's a year-round academic enrichment program that serves many at-risk youth ages five to at least 15 years old, and then beyond that, their families. Bernard has made sure that the services he, his participants receive is more than comprehensive. While the focus is on academic achievement with tutoring in math, science, English, language arts, reading, arts and crafts, this is enhanced with sports, it's enhanced with recreation activities, as well as many cultural celebration and trips all over Northern California and California in general. More recently, Renard took the plunge and and brought in an additional partner to work with kids, mentoring them in algebra. I had a chance to go see that recently and was just truly amazed with the success of that program and how a strong foundation is built for a bright future in math. He's not just the ED of Youth First, he was also the lead and founding uh, member of Invest Black in the Lakeview community, a movement that was created as after the murder of George Floyd and centered around advocating for investments in the black community that will create environments for the community to thrive in. He also led the effort to ensure that Invest Back Black would be memorialized in the community with a mural located on Broad Street that was painted, tried to be removed, and restored, and continuously is restored. During times of challenge, Renards always rises to the task of creating dialogue, building bridges, and as I said before, truly seeking collaboration and community building. And just to put a point on on the Invest Black and work that went on, just that incident alone and so many others, he dips into his own personal finances to make sure that the work will get done and there's never any excuses about why something can't happen. Now, he might give a little bit of complaints along the way. He might let you know he's not happy in that moment. But at the end of the day, he always stays focused on the work, and he always knows it's never about him. It's about giving back to the community. And it's such a broad range of things that he's involved in. Another thing he's done recently is he does this annual comedy show. It's become one of the highlights of the community, people from all over San Francisco and the community he's a part of want to participate in it. And and I think it started during COVID, right, Renard? And that was a way to kind of bring light and humor to all the pain and suffering people were experiencing. He continues to build on his firsthand experience with community and coalition building to expand on his knowledge of public safety, racial justice, and working to champion in the community, most recently having participated in the sojourn trip with SFPD, He just recently organized a solidarity luncheon in partnership with CYC to bridge the divide between the AAPI and the black community. And in addition to that, he's constantly been a strong advocate for academic enrichment, and he's been a strong advocate for bringing a legacy project to the community, something that was promised that has not been delivered, and that's the Ocean View Library at Orizaba and Brotherhood. But again, in that moment, he's continued to reach out, listen to people's opposition, and bridge the divide. I can go on and on about this man's contributions to the community, but I just want to say this. We often will honor people at the end of their careers. Renard's career is just beginning. He's hitting his stride. He's growing. He's continuing to give and get... Bernard, you got decades ahead of you, brother. Don't make faces. you got decades more to give. And I know that. I know that. I know that, because you know what? You never get tired. I'm lucky to call you a friend. And I want you to know that when we come into this role, a lot of times, elected officials get accused of not listening. And I just want to say I appreciate the guidance you've given me personally, and how I've been able to listen to you and learn from you and how much we have grown together in the past eight years of of me serving the community. And I'll never forget you sat me down and you said, Asha, a lot of people come in here and talk. And if you want to work together, we can do big things for this community. And I think following your lead, we've done a lot of really big things. So thank you for being a champion for social justice, our children and families, and keeping the community centered around safety and being a role model for so many others. Thank you. Supervisor Walton.
3: Thank you, Supervisor Safai for acknowledging uh, and honoring Renard today. I just want to say, um, and I don't know what you mean by just beginning. He's, a, he's not no young whippersnapper anymore, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I do want to just thank you so much for um, your leadership and community and for always being a voice for the people of Lakeview. And you know, I can remember a time when we lost a very young child in my district. Uh, And you stepped up and spent hundreds of dollars of your own money to make sure that we were able to commemorate that young man and and his family. And that's just one of many things that you continue to display to show your commitment and love for the community here in San Francisco. So just wanted to acknowledge you uh, as well as say thank you to Supervisor Safai because you deserve this honor. Thank you.
23: Normally I'm in this room <laughs> fighting for equality for our community um, and trying to get you guys to pass things to help our community. So it's, it's pretty good to show up and actually be honored today. So I want to thank the Board of Supervisors, especially you, uh, Supervisor Asha Safai, um, for this honor. And for me, doing the work for the community, when you get honored, it's really not about the person. You know, I'm just a part of the vehicle, you know what I mean? Maybe the steering wheel sometimes, sometimes the seat, but it takes us as a whole to make a, a difference here in San Francisco. And um, so I wanna thank my community partners before I talk about anything else. I wanna thank um, the OMICC family with Mary Harris and Al Harris, all the all their great work with Delia Fitzpatrick and Monique Gidry and Felicia Thibodeau. Those people are crucial in our community um, because Lakeview and OMI is overlooked um, and underserved. So we have to, everybody use fight and give back. Um, so we try to change the narrative and invest. We're just trying to get more investments in our community. Um, we, we don't even have a grocery store over in our community. So we just, we try to do everything together and you know, working together makes all the difference. Um, so unfortunately Asha says I got many years to go Um, I founded Youth First in 1999 thanks to Mayor Willie Brown at the time Um, he actually was sitting in another office and I walked in and I was talking to Mike Brown who's passed away Um, he was running ICY and I was talking about all these ideas that I wanted to bring to the community because things weren't happening over there and we were having a lot of uh, gun violence in our community. And I said, hey, we need more programs over here for these kids and have outlets. And Mayor Brown, and I was walking out, and Mayor, Gra- Mayor Brown <laughs> grabbed me by the shoulder, and he said, hey, come back here. He said, so what do you do? I said, I'm a you know, he's like, I said, he said, what do you do? And I says, what do you mean what I do? He said, no, you're about to be a program director at the school program. I said, uh, no, I already have a job. He says, no, no, you don't. Um, you're going to do this down at Pilgrim Community Center, and that's how we got started. Um, so I want to thank Willie Brown. I want to thank the mentorship from Reverend Amos Brown. His leadership is amazing. I want to th- even thank I know she was going off in here earlier, but I want to thank Felicia Jones for her leadership. Um, she does a lot for the community, and she does a lot for people. And so I want to thank you guys for always being there for community. Um, <laughs> love you too Miss Felicia. Um, Asha calls me in the middle of the night sometimes 10 11 o'clock at night sometimes I send him the voicemail (laughs) and then um, and then I answer um, because I know it's something that I have to do like but what I will say about Supervisor Asha Safai and I know he gets a lot of criticism but what I will say about him when he came into office is the things that he said he was going to do and try to accomplish for our community, he actually got out there and got it done. And I appreciate him fighting for that. You know, even when Nate and I, we wanted to start our academic program for kids to get, my my son plays Division One basketball, okay, so in Indiana, and we came to Asha with this idea. Asha was out there fighting for us to find, to get allocation of funds for that, um, along with Howard Smith right here. So I'm appreciative uh, of all the people who make things happen for the community because I was that person when I was growing up in a single parent home and my mom is here and I just want to always make her proud. Um, I know how much it means to have people in your corner. You need the coach, you need the teacher, you need the after school program. I was that kid. I couldn't afford to go on all of the trips. So I know how much it means to someone. When we talk about at risk, we're not just talking about the kid who doesn't have it. At risk means the kid that has it all because they're at risk of not knowing what the kids that don't have it are going through. So you have to put them all together. So at Youth First, I know this is about black history, but black history is American history. And at my program, we are a true model of San Francisco. We have every race. All right, I know Asha just visited our program last week to see our coding class. We have every race in our program, all thriving, all learning, you know, and loving each other. And that's what it's all about. So I'm going to end with this. I want to thank Emily for supporting me through all of this. But as we move forward, we know we have tough times uh, ahead of us with our budget and all of those things. We really have to focus on coming together as a city to really not just celebrate uh, individuals. We have to celebrate each other as a whole. And that's what I'm about, celebrating all of us because we all are so important. So I just want to thank you for the honor.
0: Thank you, Mr. Monroe. Madam Clerk, could you please read our 3 p.m. special order, Items 28 through 32.
1: Items 28 through 32 comprise the Board of Supervisors convening as a committee of the whole. However, on February 16th, the Office of the Assessor Recorder notified the clerk of the board that they received the wire transfers and the necessary documentation for the outstanding transfer tax demands, settling the delinquent payments for the properties listed in 29 through 32. Given that these matters have been resolved, the treasurer-tax collector no longer requires the committee of the whole, and I've asked the board to cancel the call. Item 28 is the public hearing uh, on the reports of delinquent real property transfer taxes for today. Uh, for items, for item 29, it's for 34 Turk Street. For item 30, it's for 141 Eddy Street. For item 31, it's for 174 Ellis Street, and for item 32, it's 988 through 992 Howard Street.
0: All right, we have opened the public hearing and all of these items have been resolved. Are there any members of the public who would like to comment? Seeing none, public comment is closed. And can we have a motion to table items 29 through 32? Motion made by Supervisor Chan, seconded by Supervisor Stephanie. We will take that without objection, and those items are tabled. Madam Clerk, can you please read item 21? Item 21.
1: This is a resolution to approve an agreement with the Nonprofit Owners Association for administration management of the established business-based business improvement district known as the San Francisco Tourism Improvement District through December 31st, 2038.
0: Seeing no names on the roster, colleagues, we will take this same, uh, there's Supervisor Safai. same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item, please.
1: Item 22 is an ordinance to amend the planning code to modify density limits in the Northeast Waterfront Historic District, the Jackson Square Historic District, and the Jackson Square Historic District Extension, except for projects in those areas using the commercial to residential adaptive reuse program, and to affirm the CEQA determination and to make the appropriate findings.
3: Supervisor Melgar.
6: Uh, I think that uh, I will let President Peskin speak first, since this is his legislation.
3: Thank you. President Peskin?
0: Thank you, colleagues. Uh, last year, uh, Supervisor uh, Mayor Breed and I introduced um, and this board unanimously passed legislation aimed at uh, adaptive reuse of vacant downtown buildings from office to residential. Uh, And that legislation contemplated, particularly in a smaller historic building typology, uh, the ability to add a couple of floors to them. Uh, And in that legislation, uh, in an attempt to add density, we took out from the C2 zoned area, which is north of downtown. It sweeps along the Embarcadero all the way to Fisherman's Wharf, north of Washington Street. We took out uh, the density controls uh, under the idea that uh, anybody who wanted to convert buildings in what has historically been a warehouse area, much of it converted to office, actually a very popular office area. Uh, Interestingly enough, the Northeast waterfront um, has a lot of uh, tech office refugees from downtown, Um, but we took the density controls out. Uh, What I did not understand, I don't think anybody intended, is that when we density decontrolled that area under the notion that we wanted to see more units, when combined with state preemptions around bonus density, we have now had a number of proposals that don't exceed the height limit by a floor or two, but exceed the height limit by 300 and 400 percent. We have a proposal for a 267-foot high tower in the Northeast Waterfront Historic District in an area zoned 65 feet. Uh, We have another 250-foot proposal in an area zoned 84 feet in the Jackson Square Historic District. Uh, And so I then, once we realized this unintended consequence, introduced legislation to reimpose the density limits. Uh, The planning department staff uh, and subsequently the planning commission recommended uh, that we impose that only in the city's designated historic districts, uh, which are a small portion of the C2. Uh, We need to figure out ways to make sure that we don't end up with a series of Fontana towers along uh, the Embarcadero. Um, But that is a more difficult project because we have to figure it really is based on lot size. Uh, I'm working with Director Hillis and his staff to figure out the right way of going about that. But meanwhile, uh, on a seven to nothing vote, the Planning Commission recommended changes to what I had introduced. Uh, I've accepted those changes. That is what is before this Board of Supervisors today. Let me clarify, and Planning Department staff Aaron Starr is here. Uh, that this is not a departure from the housing element that this Board of Supervisors approved. There is no reference to the C2, to the density controls that we added that I'm asking to modify today. Uh, it is not a p- part of the housing element. It was never part of San Francisco's housing expansion strategy. It was, if you will, an extra uh, that has come with an unintended consequence. I personally believe. Um, and have voted for, you name it, the family uh, SUD, the uh, Supervisor Mandelman's four- and uh, six-unit stuff have uh, co-authored the inclusionary reduction, um, but I don't think that we have to destroy the city to save it. Uh, And indeed, that's what this modest change uh, would do, and as I have said repeatedly, uh, it comes with the... Uh, support of the mayor's four members of the Planning Commission uh, who embraced planning staff's uh, suggestions which I in turn have embraced and of course with the three members of the Planning Commission that have been approved by this Board of Supervisors. I am committed to working on the balance of this project and figuring out how to do that. Uh, there has been suggestions that we duplicate this file to use that as a vehicle uh, to make those amendments in the future relative to the balance of the C2. I am more than happy to do that, and that may well be offered by one of my colleagues. I'm available to answer any questions, as is uh, Aaron Starr from the Planning Department.
3: Thank you, President Peskin. Supervisor Melgar?
6: Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Super President Chair, Temporary Chair um, Walton. So I, wanted, I voted against this at the committee and I wanted to explain why and I am uh, grateful, uh, President Peskin, that you are open to duplicating the file and continuing to work on it. Uh, I'm also grateful to the efforts of my colleague, Supervisor Stephanie, who will also uh, speak to this. Um, so we have spent the past, uh, you know, three years working on our housing element Um, and uh, while I acknowledge that this legislation is compliant with the housing element and SB 330 um, I think it meets the letter if not the spirit uh, for me and I wanted to explain why so in the housing element we came up with a framework uh, to uh, provide uh, density and add housing, uh, market rate housing and affordable housing in areas of the city that had not seen it before, mostly on the west side. Uh, and. Uh, I have worked with my colleagues, and particularly Supervisor and Guardio, uh, to do the heavy lift on the west side that we need to do. Um, and we acknowledge that uh, there are uh, historic disparities based on race that have plagued our city and have uh, yielded the... Uh, Disequity in density that we have across San Francisco. Um, and the framework that we came up with um, protected areas like the Mission, like Chinatown, like Bayview, uh, like the Tenderloin, um, because they were priority equity areas. Uh, in addition to that, for the first time, we passed an environmental justice element as part of our general plan, which protected areas that had seen the brunt of environmental racism um, and and uh, unhealthy uh, things uh, like air quality and pollutants. So this area is not a priority equity area, nor is it uh, an environmental justice area. Um, I think that, um, you know, the uh, President Peskin pointed out that it was one of the first historic districts, and, you know, yes, of course it is. Um, I would rather, if we're going to go this route, um, that we do it together, because we have done the housing element together. We, despite disagreeing on density and upzoning and all of the density decontrols, we have mostly done this together. So uh, I fear that if uh, one supervisorial district can carve out an area others can as well perhaps not with the same mechanism but you know we will be creative and find others and so if we are going to tr- uh, treat historic districts in a way to protect them if we don't want to talk about uh, the um juxtaposition of density decontrols and uh uh, density bonuses, and I know that Supervisor Mandelman actually brought this up during the uh, streamlining legislation discussions. I would rather we do it for the city as a whole, for all of the historic districts, to have that conversation, to come up with findings, to have a you know a cogent uh, justification for this uh, altogether, rather than a one-off, uh, which I think is not good for our overall discussion. So, because of that, I will not be able to support this legislation, but. Do look forward to continuing the conversation and doing some more work.
7: Thank you.
3: Thank you, Supervisor Melgar. Supervisor Stephanie?
7: Thank you, Supervisor Walton. Colleagues, I've had uh, several conversations regarding this ordinance with stakeholders on both sides, as well as the planning department, and to be honest, it's one of those votes where uh, yes or no makes me, um, doesn't make me comfortable either way, so I wanted to work through it and try to get to a point where we can continue to work on this legislation because I do think it needs more work. Um, through these conversations, I've been informed um, that the planning department worked extensively with the sponsor to ensure that the policy here is in, is not in direct conflict with the housing element that we passed. This work includes narrowing the area impacted by this policy to specific protected historic districts. It also means incorporating amendments that ensure that the controls implemented are exempting any commercial to residential adaptive reuse projects, projects that will help utilize vacant commercial space to bring new housing units in existing buildings. And let me be clear, my goal here and in all housing discussions is to sensibly maximize housing production to address the critical shortage we face. In some cases, this means that we allow for expanded building envelopes and and increased heights to bring more units that will build more urban-friendly neighborhoods. In others, this means that we eliminate controls on density to bring more affordable units and bedroom mixes into proposed housing projects that fit within existing parameters, such as existing height limits. As it pertains to historic districts, we must be deliberate on how to strike this sensible balance to maximize housing while ensuring that density bonus programs are not used in a way that is adverse to areas rich with community culture, a goal that is part of the housing element. And to that end, I would like to uh, duplicate the file, which I understand I am um, able to do, in order to work with the project sponsor and any interested colleagues to craft a piece of legislation that achieves this sensible balance. This balance will seek to find a solution that allows for form-based density within certain parameters that enable housing projects with increased density that also protect the established historic districts already rich with community culture. I am grateful for the buy-in from the Planning Department and its director, who I've had, like I said, several conversations about this legislation, and he's assured me that we will work, um, he will work with my office and uh, President Peskin's office to find a solution, and of course, Supervisor Melgar as well. Today, I will support this legislation to ensure that these two historic districts— are not subject to capricious changes in development and going forward I will work on the duplicated file to achieve a better uh, solution that sensibly maximizes density and I look forward to bringing this to the board soon again with President Peskin and the planning department and all who want to be involved because like I said I think this uh, needs some work and I would also then move to send the duplicated file back to committee.
3: Thank you Supervisor Stephanie so I, I don't think we need a vote on duplicating the file correct
1: that's right mr. president single privilege thank you and to duplicate but to send to committee yes some motions
3: yes. we have a second on that seconded by a motion to send to committee made by supervisor Stephanie seconded by supervisor Melgar and I believe we can take that same house same call uh, supervisor melderman uh,
4: Thank you, uh, Supervisor Walton. I want to um, thank uh, uh, Supervisor Stephanie for what I think is an elegant uh, solution to uh, to this conundrum. I think the conundrum is going to continue with us for a while in a whole bunch of areas. There's a, there are many things that we ought to do that I would like to see us do citywide. I would like to see us eliminating density controls, not just in select areas, but across the city, because density controls don't make sense to me. I don't think that they are a reasonable way to, uh, to regulate uh, uh, neighborhoods. And I think that we should be having form-based density everywhere in the city. That would make... Uh, much more sense to me. And the thing that keeps me from proposing that measure or supporting that is the way that would interact with state laws that would allow that very reasonable solution to just... Barrel through any kind of planning we may have done about what our neighborhoods are, are are supposed to look like going forward. We can add tens of thousands of units. We probably can add hundreds of thousands of units in ways that are uh, respectful of uh, of San Francisco's history and our policy priorities, preservation of rent-controlled units. I don't know, I, I am hopeful that we will figure out a way to do it not just in particular portions of the city, but in the entirety of the city. But I do think that. The point that uh, has come up in these relatively, this relatively small little piece of geography, which is these, uh, these historic districts um, in, in the north, northeast, um, is, is going to be a problem for us going forward. And I do think we spend time thinking about how to plan for neighborhoods, setting heights, other restrictions. Um, to kind of guide development going forward, and if the combination of density control, which is the correct thing, and state density bonus is buildings that bear no resemblance at all to anything we might have planned for it, and in fact, as uh, as uh, President Peskin pointed out, come out, you know, 400 percent taller, <laughs> so going from six or eight stories to you know 25 stories. Um, that is not going to restore San Franciscans' confidence that we can move happily into a future of greater density and still preserve what we love about San Francisco. In fact, it suggests the opposite. It will produce a backlash and it will be bad for everybody. So we should figure out how to do this right. Thank you Supervisor Stephanie for, for committing to try and work on that and thank you uh, President Peskin for trying to um, uh, protect these uh, historic districts.
11: Thank you Supervisor Mandelman Supervisor Dorsey. Thank you President Peskin. Um, I would just associate myself with uh, Supervisor Melgar's remarks, and I do share her concerns about the potentially problematic precedent that um, added density controls like this (laughs) could risk creating. Um, I think the legislation could send us in the wrong way on needed housing production, even it being uh, compliant with the housing element at a time when we have an obligation to produce more homes. So I'm just uncomfortable backtracking on efforts to promote adaptive development, I fear this legislation might do that, so um, I will also be voting no.
0: Supervisor Safai.
2: Thank you, uh, President Peskin. Um, I mean, listen, I think we have a lot of work ahead of us. I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, We we definitely have somewhat of a forced mandate coming from the state, right? Not exactly sure 100% of the numbers that they've put forward are the accurate numbers, but let's assume that they are. Um, Now we're dealing, as Supervisor Manelman said, with additional layers that have come down as a result of some of the frustration. I think that's more of a statewide frustration um, that's now then being said, when we do density decontrol, when we're looking for greater height in areas that might not have traditionally received that height, then you add on those layers and all of a sudden to go from a 40-foot building to a 200-foot building um, I don't think that that's something that any neighborhood in San Francisco wants. I mean, unless maybe you're in, in the Soma and you have you know multiple tall buildings already. I mean, that, that's just the truth because it's a very different scale, it's a very different form, and it's a very different level of infrastructure. The other question is, um, with what we're doing, how are we thinking about the longer term? Because we're talking about density, we're talking about height, but where's the larger vision for affordability, and a lot of that conversation hasn't been brought forward yet. We haven't merged the entire conversation. We have time to figure this out, 2026, and I think that absolutely um, we should have urgency to this conversation, uh, but I do like the, the idea of duplicating the file. Thank you, uh, Supervisor Stephanie for that, so we can continue the conversation and we can have a more thoughtful uh, solution. Um, I'm 100% in favor of density decontrol. We actually were pushing forward with that in our own district. But then when we got the additional layers, and all of a sudden something that could be 65, 75 feet could be you know, maybe <laughs> a 20, 30-story building, um, the scale and, and the size of that just seems disproportionate for what we're trying to achieve in certain areas. And that's why we have to look at this in a more comprehensive fashion. So I, I will support the amendment today. And I definitely want to move forward with a real larger vision, but also including the vision of where we incorporate in affordability, um, because I think that's something that has not been talked about uh, continuously. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Safai.
0: Supervisor Chan.
10: Thank you, President Peskin. I certainly have a lot of uh, concerns about um, it's not just, I I definitely don't see um, that uh, there, there reason for historic districts to be historic districts Um, they're actually all very unique and very different Um, in fact um, you know i I think that for these three particular historic districts what i'm also looking at is it's not just about these three areas but also what is adjacent to it which is including chinatown and i think the changes with these three districts it's really create a domino impact Um, beyond this area, and um, I just do not believe this one-size-fits-all approach in density and in planning. I think that it is actually quite fine uh, to evaluate um, district-by-district neighborhood and really looking at what is um, already there and what we can do to increase density and build the type of housing or even mixed use that really that people could afford, and I see – land use and planning from that approach. Um, It's the reason why not only that I support this, uh, I I really hope that as we continue to move forward with the conversation about both upzoning and density increase um, all around the city that, I just want to be on the record about how I approach this. I I, I don't see this as just this one thing and one type of policy works for San Francisco. And in fact, I think that what makes San Francisco unique, not only that we have microclimate, is that all these neighborhoods are so unique and different. And I would like to see that when we think about planning, um, both be it zoning or density, that we actually think of it and approach it that way as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Chan. So we have, item 22 in front of us as well as a duplicated file where there has been a motion a second to send it to committee so can we do that without objection the duplicated file is returned to committee and on item 22 madam clerk a roll call please
1: on item 22 supervisor Stephanie aye. Stephanie I supervisor Walton aye. Walton I supervisor Chan aye. Chan I supervisor Dorsey yeah. Dorsey no supervisor rangardio Engardio, no. Supervisor Mandelman, aye. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar, no. Melgar, no. Supervisor Peskin, aye. Peskin, aye. Supervisor Preston, aye. Preston, aye. Supervisor Ronan, aye. Ronan, aye. And Supervisor Safaii. Aye. Safai-Yi, aye. There are eight ayes and three noes, with Supervisors Dorsey, Engardio, and, and Melgar voting no. The
0: ordinance is passed on first meeting. Next item, please.
1: Item 23, this is an ordinance to amend the planning code to designate the Grand Theater located at 2665 Mission Street as a landmark, consistent with the standards set forth in Article 10 of the planning code to affirm the secret determination and to make the appropriate findings. Roll call. On item 23, Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie, I. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, I. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, I. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, I. Supervisor Rangardio. Engardio, I, Supervisor Mandelman, aye. Mandelman, I, Supervisor Melgar, aye. Melgar, I, Supervisor Peskin, Aye. Peskin, I, Supervisor Preston, aye. Preston, I, Supervisor Ronan, aye. Ronan, I, and Supervisor Safayi, Safayi, I. There are 11 eyes.
0: The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item.
1: Item 24, resolution to determine that the issuance of a type 90 on-sale general music venue liquor license to Bruno's Management LLC To do business as Bruno's located at 2389 Mission Street will serve the public convenience and to request that the California Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control impose conditions on the issuance of the license.
0: Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item, please.
1: Item 25, motion to approve the mayor's nomination for reappointment of Lydia Eli to the Redevelopment Successor Agency Oversight Board, term ending January 24, 2028.
0: Same house, same call. The motion is approved. Next item.
1: Item 26, motion to appoint Anthony Schlander, term ending July 1st, 2027, to the Entertainment Commission and Maria Davis, term ending July 1st, 2026.
0: Same house, same call. The motion is approved. Next item, please.
1: Item 27, motion to appoint Edward Parillon to the Housing Stability Fund Oversight Board, term ending December 13, 2026.
0: Seeing no names on the roster, same house, same call. The motion is approved. Madam Clerk, can we go to our committee reports?
1: Items 33 through 35 were considered by the Land Use and Transportation Committee at a regular meeting on Monday, February 26th. Item 33 was recommended as amended with with the same title. Item 33 is an ordinance to amend the planning code to require conditional use authorization for converting private parking lots or vehicle storage lots to fleet charging in all PDR production distribution and repair districts to affirm the secret determination and to make the appropriate findings.
0: Okay, so item number 33, colleagues, I have distributed a small, non substantive amendment wherein footnote 24 would be amended to remove the retroactive requirement for 311 notice. Uh, so it would read P, where existing use is a private parking lot or vehicle storage lot, and where a development application to convert the private parking lot or vehicle storage lot to fleet charging use was submitted prior to January 11th, 2024. And the rest of that sentence is struck. Is there a, would somebody make that motion? Made by Supervisor Mandelman, second by Supervisor Safai. Can we take that without objection? And then on the item as amended can we take that same house same call the ordinance is passed on first reading as amended next item please item
1: 34 is an ordinance this item was recommended as amended with a new title it's an ordinance amending the Planning Code to require conditional use authorizations for establishing parcel delivery service uses to prohibit non-cannabis parcel delivery services as an accessory use, and to revise zoning control tables to reflect these changes, to affirm the secret determination, and to make the appropriate findings.
0: Supervisor Safi.
2: I just wanted to be added as a sponsor to number 33, 34, and 35. Somehow that was missed.
0: It shall be noted.
2: Thank you. And
0: seeing no other names on the roster, we'll take item 34, same house, same call. The ordinance is passed on first reading. Next item, please.
1: Item 35, this item was recommended as a committee report with the same title. It's a resolution to support California State Senate Bill number 915, which prioritizes local control in the decision to deploy autonomous vehicle services contingent upon an autonomous vehicle service company receiving. Approval by the California Department Motor Vehicles and the California Public Utilities Commission and will prevent deployment in a geographic location Until a local government passes an ordinance authorizing operations
0: Same house same call the resolution is adopted Madam clerk, let's go to roll call for introductions
7: Supervisor Stephanie is the
1: first member up to introduce new business
7: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Colleagues, today I'm thrilled to finally introduce an ordinance aimed at safeguarding our community's safety and fiscal responsibility. This ordinance will ensure that city funds designated for firearms procurement by our public safety agencies are exclusively allocated to vendors who strictly adhere to both state and federal firearms laws. Last year, a report by Brady United Against Violence shed light on concerning practices within law enforcement procurement across California, including right here in San Francisco. The report disclosed that over 90 law enforcement agencies in our state, including ours, unwittingly spent upwards of $20 million on firearms ammunition, and related equipment from six federally licensed firearm dealers with documented histories of violating firearms regulations. These violations notably included failure to report sales involving multiple weapons, a red flag for potential straw purchases, and firearm trafficking recognized by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. This revelation was deeply troubling to me and it underscores the critical need for robust vetting procedures in how our law enforcement agencies purchase firearms and related gear. As a city that prides itself on being a leader in gun safety, it is incumbent upon us to ensure that our law enforcement agencies exercise due diligence in selecting vendors and making such purchases. San Francisco, as a beacon of gun safety advocacy, and our law enforcement agencies share a collective responsibility to uphold the highest standards when it comes to purchasing firearms. And the evidence is clear. Firearms recovered in criminal incidents often trace back to vendors who have flouted federal firearms laws time and time again. By instituting rigorous vetting procedures for firearms industry vendors, we not only protect taxpayer dollars, but also mitigate the risk of perpetuating the cycle of gun violence that plagues our communities. I'm incredibly grateful for everyone who's worked on this, including Deputy City Attorney Vicki Wong, the Office of Contracts Administration, our City Administrator Carmen Chu, the brilliant attorney Ruth Bornstein with Brady, and of course, my chief of staff, Dominica Donovan, and I'm um, grateful, again, for everyone who's worked on this. It's such an important piece, piece of legislation. I hope to have all of your support. I'm also introducing two resolutions today in support of state legislative bills, the first of which is Senate Bill 1170. SB 1170 takes a significant step forward in empowering women to run for elected office by allowing non incumbent candidates to use campaign funds to pay for their mental health care costs that are not covered by insurance. We all know that the political climate has been increasingly hostile and is far too common for candidates, particularly women and people of color, to experience threats and harassment on the campaign trail. In a recent report by California Women's List on the state's political culture, nearly two thirds of women surveyed reported experiencing harassment during their campaign compared to only 50 percent of men. Even more alarming, 42 percent of women reported experiencing stalking at least once while running for office and this issue was even more stark for women of color. This number is a full 15 percentage points higher than their male counterparts. This amounts to a sad reality that the hostility and vitriol faced by women running for office often causes mental health distress and worsened well-being. These impacts contribute to the barriers women and people of color face when running for elected office and often disincentivize these individuals from considering adding their voices to our government. Empowering more women and mothers to run for office is not about words of encouragement, it is about breaking down these barriers. SB 1170 strives to do so by ensuring that all candidates, regardless of insurance status, have access to mental health care services as they navigate the distressing challenges faced while running for office. I would like to thank Senator um, Menjavar for taking a significant step forward in reducing the barriers women face when thinking about running for office, and I'm proud to bring this resolution forward to add San Francisco as a supporter of this policy. Also, the second resolution that I am inducing um, is in support of AB 2286, a reintroduction of a bill that would require human safety operators in autonomous vehicles with a gross vehicle weight greater than 10,000 pounds. We in San Francisco and statewide have unfortunately seen the rollout of autonomous vehicles come with its own dangers. As of February 23rd, the DMV has received 690 autonomous vehicle collision reports, including instances of blocking emergency personnel, crashing into buses, and hitting and killing pets. Locally, a pedestrian was pinned by an autonomous vehicle that stopped on the top of her leg requiring firefighters to use the jaws of life to lift the car off the woman. We also know that heavier vehicles are capable of causing significantly more damage and have exponentially higher risk of fatality in the event of a collision. AB 2286 replicates a bill that has already been supported by this board and that strikes a balance between technological advancement and the public good. By requiring human safety operators, the bill enables continued testing of the development of autonomous heavy duty vehicles on public roads in a manner that protects jobs and the public safety. This resolution affirms San Francisco's support for sensible development of heavy duty AVs while protecting good jobs as the technology is tested and advanced. And that's it, the rest I submit.
1: Thank you, Supervisor Stephanie. Supervisor Walton. Submit, Submit, thank you, Supervisor Chan. Submit, thank you, Supervisor Dorsey. Submit, thank you, Supervisor Ringardio. Submit, thank you, Supervisor Mandelman.
4: Thank you, Madam Clerk, I have an in memoriam today. I'm asking that we adjourn in memory of Logan Miller, who died on December 7th of last year. Logan was on my list, that list of individuals we keep in the District 8 office of high needs individuals, mostly unhoused, whose mental illness or drug use or both caused them to regularly do harm to themselves or others. In plain sight, to the great consternation of neighbors and business owners, their staffs and folks just trying to walk undisturbed down the sidewalk. I've talked about the list here before. Sometimes our listees do get real help, too often they do not. Logan is not the first person on my list to die during my time on this board, and he will most likely not be the last. Each of their deaths is, in my view, an indictment of us all. Logan was an unhoused 32-year-old man living in the Castro, but originally from Iowa. He was frequently seen using drugs in public and was accompanied by his longtime girlfriend, Courtney. Usually camped out with a tent or tent like structure on the sidewalk, Logan and Courtney had been known in the neighborhood for years for having loud and frequent fights, screaming at one another at all hours of the day and night. Needless to say, they generated countless calls and emails from constituents to my office. Logan was a priority for lots of departments. HSH offered him shelter many times. He and Courtney almost always refused. DPH tried over and over to get him into treatment. He refused. His behavior rarely rose to the level of an arrestable offense, and our public health tools were never robust enough to compel him into care. The story is a common one in San Francisco and in California, and the outcome was all too predictable. I believe Logan's death is a powerful argument for expanding compelled treatment under laws like SB 43, California's recently enacted law to modestly expand our use of conservatorship for those with substance use disorder and those unable to care for their medical needs. We've been promised that the new rules will allow the courts to recognize the addiction and mental impairment of a Logan and order the comprehensive treatment and housing support that would benefit both him and the community. I believe his death is also an argument for Proposition 1 on our agenda for a vote later today, a spending package on the March ballot that would expand and finance mental health treatment statewide. More treatment beds are desperately needed if San Francisco and California hope to lift untreated, unhoused folks like Logan off our streets. And frankly, without more beds, SB 43 will most likely just be another unfulfilled promise. Rest in peace, Logan Miller. May your memory be a blessing and a call to action, and the rest I submit.
1: Thank you, Supervisor Mandelman. Supervisor Milgar.
6: Uh, Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, Colleagues, earlier today, uh, I joined uh, Mayor uh, Breed and uh, Director uh, of the Office of Early Childhood, Ingrid Mesquita and the Executive Director of First Five California, uh, Jackie Wong, uh, to celebrate some important milestones. We have collectively met as a city in advancing early care education in San Francisco and establishing the new Department of Early Childhood Um, and evidencing uh, really strong outcomes. I can report very proudly that San Francisco is at the forefront and way above the median in California, and that's a good thing for all of us. We have uh, former Board President Norman Yee uh, to thank, along with uh, former Supervisor Jane Kim, the voters, the Early Care and Education Advocacy Movement for the passage of Baby Prop C in 2018. In five years, we have uh, doubled the number of children receiving early care education subsidies annually from 6,000 to 12,000. We have cut the wait list for subsidized early care and education by 72%. We have increased the salaries of some 1,600 early care educators who are predominantly women of color we have made some great strides and still have a ways to go to build out a universal early care and education system but we can uh, pat ourselves on the back to a job well done state code requires us to conduct a needs assessment every year the early care and education needs assessment of 2023 stated that the total uh, available capacity, that's the number of licensed childcare and TK spaces, meets only 16.5% of the need of infants and toddlers. I'll say that again 16.5% of the needs of infants and toddlers. For preschool-aged children, we thankfully can report that um, we uh, now uh, have met the, the, the waiting list. Uh, we uh, have made great strides, and we are now starting to see uh, the result of the state's investment in transitional kindergarten, although we recognize that there may be other barriers to success than just money. While this needs assessment is really valuable, it mostly focuses on the needs for subsidized slots, not the total needs of the workforce, which we must address if we are to reach the goal of universal childcare. This would also open opportunities for us to leverage our dollars with private employer contributions to advance the collective goals for needs for preschool and childcare. We need to be forward thinking and really grapple with how to manage the capacity for childcare, which is a critical part of our economic resiliency. Childcare and early education is an integral component of our educational system, but also many of the other goals that we are pursuing, like bringing workers back to our office buildings downtown and recruiting public safety and first responder personnel. As such, I will be requesting that the budget and legislative analyst uh, to conduct an analysis to determine the comprehensive unmet need for early care and education looking at economic projections and workforce trends in San Francisco. Thank you and the rest I submit. Thank you, Supervisor Milgar. Supervisor Peskin.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Colleagues, uh, I am in receipt and you shall shortly, Madam Clerk, be in receipt of a letter of resignation from Gabriela Ruiz, uh, who has served for a long time and with distinction as a representative of the Board of Supervisors on the Planning Commission. I want to thank her for her service, uh, and she has, I think, done a great job of representing many communities in San Francisco, but particularly uh, she has deep roots in both Chinatown and the Mission. Um, In the wake of her resignation, I am nominating Gilbert Williams, uh, who hails from Supervisor Safai's district uh, and is a union carpenter by trade um, and has uh, been an advocate as a member of Poder, representing working-class San Franciscans. Um, And I think uh, you will all get to meet him in the days and weeks ahead, as he will be Um, coming around and speaking about uh, Why he is qualified to be a member of the Planning Commission and he will be scheduled uh, Later next month for a hearing at the Rules Committee and the rest I
8: will submit.
1: Thank you. Mr. President Supervisor Preston.
8: Thank you, Madam Clerk Uh, colleagues today. I'm calling for an oversight hearing on the delays in investing in elevator repairs in SRO hotels. Uh, As you will recall, uh, the mayor and board agreed in June 2022 to allocate $10 million uh, funded through a certificate of participation uh, to fund these critical repairs. After nearly 600 days of delay, um, it was only after we elevated this question recently at Question Time and the San Francisco Chronicle did an expose on the delay uh, that we finally uh, got some positive news. Uh, I want to thank uh, Supervisor Safayi and President Peskin uh, for co-sponsoring this hearing request. Um, you know, the, the background here is less than a month after the redistricting in 2022, when when the Tenderloin was redistricted into my district, we were about to enter a budget process and my office prioritized and went to bat for increasing funding for SRO elevator repairs um, and successfully secured $10 million for these critical upgrades supported by this entire uh, board of supervisors and agreed to by the mayor. Um, Since that time, we and our constituents Um, in the Tenderloin in particular uh, and some other SRO residents uh, in other districts uh, regularly pushed for the administration and HSH in particular uh, to release these funds and again this has been going on since uh, being pushing uh, since 2022 Um, over a year later uh, our frustration shared by our constituents was really through the roof. It simply made no sense whatsoever. These funds had not been moved. We had commitment after commitment to get the funds out the door that had come and and gone. And first, we were told by HSH the notice of funding availability would be issued in February 2023. Uh, then HSH promised it would be summer 2023. Uh, and I want to, in particular, thank uh, the Budget Committee and and uh, uh, Supervisor Safai for, for really drilling down in that budget committee when we weren't getting commitments around when these funds were going to be released inex, until you know, inexplicable delays. Uh, Supervisor safai uh, pushed and demanded HSH actually come to the to the hearing and and uh, and, and uh, make a commitment. They did they committed that the uh, notice of funding availability would go out in in that by that summer by summer 2023 that date came and went Um, Next, they committed that they would issue the Notice of Funding Availability by the end of the calendar year in 2023. That date came uh, and went. Um, And um, finally, after we submitted the topic for the most recent mayoral appearance, uh, January 30th, uh, we were told the NOFA would be issued by February 12th. When that deadline was blown, uh, we brought the issue to the attention of the San Francisco Chronicle, and uh, just hours after the Chronicle published their story on Friday, February 16th, we receive an email uh, that early evening from HSH at long last, uh, over a year and a half later, notifying that the funding availability was officially posted online. So we are thrilled to see this critical step taken uh, to finally move these funds and get these repairs done, Um, But we still have no explanation for why it took so long to get to this point. I think our constituents deserve an explanation. If there's a systemic problem uh, that caused this delay, we need to know what it is and to fix it. Uh, If this was simply not a priority for the mayor's administration, we need to know why the health and safety of SRO residents uh, isn't a priority for this administration. Uh, So it's my hope we get some answers in a hearing, as well as give impacted SRO residents the opportunity to have their voices heard. Um, But this isn't just about looking backwards, and I want to be clear that part of the reason For this hearing, is that we remain very concerned about when these funds are going to finally get out the door. Um, So, to be clear, all that's happened so far is that after a year and a half, over a year and a half of delay, the department has issued a notice of funding availability. Um, They have not released the funds, and in fact, here we are 600 days later with a NOFA finally, but the time frame that HSH has in their written NOFA. Uh, to select the money and uh, to select the uh, SROs and to get the money out the door for these critical elevator repairs is projected to take another eight months. So our office has received no explanation. We immediately ask, could that be expedited? We talk often about uh, bureaucracy, delays, red tape, and so forth. Um, What is going on here? Um, We have not gotten any explanation about the reason for the delays or why this is going to take at least another eight months. I think that's an unacceptable uh, timeline. Um, And I just don't accept that our constituents have to continue suffering, unable to get to and from their their homes um, because of something that the mayor's administration should have addressed over a year ago, Uh, and still appears to be uh, slow walking. So we need increased uh, transparency on these funds and this project. Uh, We need to expedite these crucial investments. We need to make sure there are no further delays in getting these funds into the elevator repairs that our constituents who live in SROs need and deserve. The rest I submit.
1: Thank you, Supervisor Preston. Supervisor Ronan. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Safai.
2: Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. Uh, Colleagues, I'm sure uh, as many of you have seen in the news today, um, it's it's not hard to be thinking about Union Square today and the Macy's department store. So many different things that symbolizes for San Francisco. If it's not one of, it's probably one of the most iconic uh, retail spaces in the city. For generations, San Franciscans and visitors, uh, Macy has been associated with Union Square. It's tree lighting, the unofficial start of the winter holiday season. And to the 400 plus workers who could lose their livelihood, uh, this is more than about feeling nostalgic. It's about a paycheck. It's about a way of life. Um, and it's about ability to pay rent and, or a mortgage and put food on the table for their families, many of whom are represented by the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. Today's announcement of Macy's closure in Union Square feels like a gut punch to our city. Um, And yes, we know Macy's has pledged to stay open until it's sold to a new owner, but we should use this time to work together uh, to think about a bolder vision and the future of Union Square that's less dependent on retail, more interested in active uses that attract people, because retail only is failing to attract them. This new Union Square should add entertainment, nightlife uses, uh, universities and colleges, multimedia art to draw visitors outside the holiday season, performance art in the square itself, uh, potentially some streets being reconfigured or shut down like we do during the holiday season, or restaurants uh, with uses that attract all ages, like mini golf, ping pong, karaoke, to, to just name a few. We should examine whether we can provide free parking like they do during the Lunar New Year in Portsmouth Square um, to attract people to Union Square on a more consistent basis during the times of year that are slow. Union Square today has one foot stuck in the 1950s department store dominated by the past. If the loss of Macy's symbolizes anything is that the flagship department store across the country is dead or in life support and we we need to reimagine these spaces and breathe life back into them. That's why today, um, in partnership with Supervisor Peskin, calling for a hearing for the city to include the Planning Department, Building Inspection, Office of Economic and Workforce Development, the Controller's Office, Department of Labor Standards Enforcement, others to inform this new future. Um, We we all want to hear from these partners. We also want to hear from our partners in labor. I'd like to see um, who's covered by the Displaced Worker Protection Act, something I've worked on um, many years over the last years and we want to extend those protections to to include and expand them under retail. We also want to hear from the Union Square Alliance, um, their community benefits district, and others to ensure that we have a bold uh, direction as we set the new future, hotel council, uh, the travel, um, and others. So thank you, uh, colleagues. Um, I think this is an unfortunate uh, announcement but I also think it presents an opportunity for us to come together and provide a bolder vision and a vision of what San Francisco um, can be. Um, This is one of the uh, flagship and one of the most important spaces in San Francisco. Union Square represents 40% of our sales tax retail revenue in the city and county of San Francisco, non-food and beverage. It represents a significant piece of San Francisco that we need to all come together and work on to ensure that it's successful and successfully reimagined. Thank you. And the rest I submit.
1: Thank you, Supervisor Safagi. Mr. President, seeing no names on the roster, that concludes the introduction of new business. At this time, the Board of Supervisors welcomes your general public comment. You may speak to the January 23rd board meeting minutes as presented. Item 38, whether or not the board should go into closed session on item 44, the closed session on labor negotiations. You may also speak to the items for adoption without reference to committee, items 39 through 44. You may speak to other general matters, not on today's agenda, but still must be within the board's subject matter jurisdiction. All other agenda content will have been reported out to the board by an appropriate committee where the public comment requirement occurred. And, uh, Mr. President, through a previous arrangement, we are prepared to provide an ADA accommodation uh, at the appropriate time. Please proceed. Okay. Uh, to the clerk staff, can we hear from uh, the first individual in line? That would be our ADA caller. Welcome, caller.
14: Hello. This is Michael Petrellis calling. I. Um, <clears throat> Want to address the closure announced today of Macy's in Union Square. I um, was just there in January shopping because they have an excellent collection of XXL uh, clothes for um, big, uh, big guys like myself for chubby guys. So I've been shopping at Macy's as has my husband and we're sorry to hear the announcement that they're closing. Um, I want to point out that we had a golden opportunity to um, increase customers and profits at Macy's and for businesses in the Union Square area if we had only permanently pedestrianized the Stockton Street Pedestrian Mall. It was a wonderful idea that brought vibrancy to Union Square, brought more people who would not have otherwise come to the area. And unfortunately, cars are now running on what should be that pedestrian plaza. Um, Once the building is empty, I am proposing turning it into an indoor garden, an organic farm so that we, the people of San Francisco, can um, uh, grow our own food, grow um, flowers, and bring vibrancy and life, not just to that uh, soon-to-be-empty building at Union Square, but to the entire area. I do not... Um, at all support turning it into um, a roller rink or any other uh, business. I think it is time that the community have garden spaces inside these many empty buildings.
1: Thank you for your comments. All right, so first person in line in the chamber, please welcome.
13: A few things. Uh, specificities about uh, enemy public number one or let's say intelligence enemy number one which is technology QR codes is a trap set by unintelligence for unintelligence so don't fall in it don't use QR codes every time you see X the letter X attached to something is that you are dealing sooner or later with pornography No autonomous vehicles, yes, absolutely right. Now, let's go to something very important. You just pay attention, you are part of the team, whether you like it or not. Unit number one for the new system of education have been ordered to create in order to change the course of humanity with the precedent set in San Francisco, USA. No science fiction, no SF, San Francisco. The reason why you cannot control humanity let alone the world, is because you have to be, first of all, unintelligent enough to believe that you can. You are, if you try, fighting against the eternal rules of existence, the reason for being, being, happiness, fed, feeding itself with the constant eternal emotional energetic aspirations towards beauty. If you don't do that you are fighting basically against eternity, which by definition, by definition cannot destroy itself because it is eternity. I'm launching today, since everybody is going to have to pay for what he or she has done, I'm launching a proposition. is for you to pay with following a formation for you to become a teacher in the new system of education. I'm, we are going to create from scratch You're welcome to call Angela to have my contact. That's what she's waiting for.
1: Merci. Next uh, speaker, please. Sir, you're welcome to come to the next podium, which might be more comfortable for you. Thank you.
24: My name is uh, John Mernon, born and raised in San Francisco. I'm 86 years old, and I have, excuse me, 42 years clean and sober. Every morning I go to an AA meeting, at the dry dock in, in the marina. And this morning, uh, uh, the elevator didn't work. Again, third time this week, Potter Hotel, uh, 1288 Mission Street, 9th and Mission, which I, I, I have been uh, relegated to because I broke my hip six months ago, so I had to move from uh, Supervisor Peston's uh, neighborhood, it's Castro Hotel, to 9th and Mission. I had, what, four or five guys waiting for me out there, drug addicts, who want recovery. Fortunately, I had the craziest cab driver in the world and it got me there in time. But this is happening all too often. I asked the manager, uh, one of the Patel ladies, uh, why they don't fix the elevators, and they told me about the, the mayor sitting on all that money. I called the mayor's office to find out why she's sitting on the money. Their mailbox has been full for a week. They don't want to answer any questions this is our, this is our mayor so good luck to whoever's running against her um that's why i'm here thank you
1: thank you for your comments get some money get the money to loose welcome next speaker
19: good afternoon board of supervisors as all of you know i'm chris ward klein today i wanted to talk about peace unity and community 813 overdoses in 2023 and 66 more in January is not peace, unity, and community. The DA is talking about a task force to go after drug dealers. Yesterday on the steps of City Hall, the community gathered to talk about treatment options. Getting there, but still not peace, unity, and community. Low estimates place 400,000 plus citizens of San Francisco on more than one digital surveillance at any given time. To get to peace, unity, and community, we need a task force to immediately convene to remove 95 to 97% of citizens off of digital surveillance, I've previously spoke here, the Health Commission, the Commission on Information Technology, and multiple others, and we have identified the systems overutilized that contribute to system, systemic biases, racism, and sometimes for simply being a dissenting voice, or put another way, they simply don't like you for one reason or another. Reducing surveillance by 95 to 97 percent would not impede the FBI, Department of Homeland Security. DPH, HSA, and other state and federal partners and would place us into compliance with Health and Human Services, the National Institute of Health, and FISA requirements. I urge the Board of Supervisors to move forward with a task force working together with all county agencies to include the mayor's office collectively and ultimately for peace, unity, and community. Remember, if we move forward with removing surveillance by 97%, the estimate is that the city and county will reduce overdoses by approximately 70%. 70%. And Macy's is closing, the same reason Nordstrom is closing. It was because of digital surveillance being used to force them to close. That is as simple as it gets. If you want your retailers to come back and you want the city to thrive, form a task force and reduce the digital surveillance. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please. Welcome.
25: Thank you. Hello, my name is Amanda Perez, and I work as a social worker in the Freedom Project at the San Francisco Public Defender's Office. The Freedom Project advocates to ensure people who are rehabilitated but still serving long prison sentences can get back to court for a second look based on their current circumstances and to ensure all services needed for successful reentry are available. We are extremely proud to boast that we have had a zero recidivism rate since being properly staffed with a holistic team of attorneys, social workers, and paralegal staff. The governor's proposed budget cuts $40 million to the Public Defender Pilot Program, PDPP, in 2023 to 2024, which is the third and final year of the pilot program. We are grateful to this board for considering the resolution being introduced today by Supervisor Chan, which urges the governor and legislator to eliminate this proposed cut, which negatively impacts both the Public Defender's Office and the San Francisco Bar Association. Over the last five years, several several state laws have recognized the need to reevaluate prison sentences after the passage of time and strenuous rehabilitation efforts. These laws allow judges to determine whether additional incarceration is now counterproductive given a person's demonstrated redemption and significant contributions they could make to their families and communities if allowed to reenter society. The Freedom Project has done amazing work with these funds and is ready to do more. The Freedom Project has helped reunite 84 individuals with their communities since we began in 2020, 46 of whom were serving life sentences. Incarcerating elders and other people who are ready to return home is expensive. From July 2020 to July 2023, we have saved the state of California $136.5 million. Not only do we help people come home, we connect them with the vital services and housing they need. For example, 100% of our clients have stable housing when released.
1: Thank you for your comments. If you would like to turn that in, we're happy to take the document from you. We'll put it in our minutes. Okay. Thank
26: you. Next speaker, please. Welcome. My name is Leah McGeever. I live in D6. I just got a comment first. What a shitty memoriam for Logan. Like, can we all agree? Nothing actually nice to say about the human? Like, keep his name out of your mouth if you're not gonna actually say something nice about someone who died on the streets. Hope you all can see that. Um, I'm closing this meeting in memoriam of Nex Benedict, a non-binary, non-binary youth in Oklahoma who was forced to use a restroom that didn't match their gender. No adults protected, protected Nex. We failed them as a society. Nex should be alive. Classmates were taught by adults to hate Nex and assaulted Nex, who was standing up for their trans friends in the girls' school restroom. Older kids beat up Nex until Nex couldn't walk right, was suspended for two weeks, and died the next day. San Francisco also does not have easily accessible all-gender restrooms, despite the efforts of people like an indigenous two-spirit activist, cis parents of trans kids, and recalled Board of Education commissioners. We need to protect all kids, and that means at least complying with state law and having all-gender restrooms in our schools, and ultimately in every building across this country. Mind you, so much of anti-trans hate is... Sto- <laughs> is... Um, riled up and dangerously amplified in San Francisco's very own ex, formerly known as Twitter. Do you care? Actually, I know this board and mayor doesn't care. This is for any San Franciscan watching and learning about this for the very first time.
1: Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please welcome.
27: Thank you. My name is Mark Iverson. I'm a part-time administrator of the uh, post-conviction unit at the Bar Association. So, Ms. Perez, uh, I'll join her comments uh, in terms of supporting the resolution that um, Supervisor Chan has um, introduced to to you all, that in helping to restore the funding for SB 129, and I urge you to vote for it unanimously, Uh, the work we do is vital. From the Bar Association standpoint, there's been 14 people that have been released over the 18 month period that our unit has started. And we have uh, particularly two paralegals who specialize in this work, who are able to save the county a lot of money in terms of court time, as well as uh, screening over 600 cases, working on over 150 cases, and currently representing 52 people in court and more is coming with this kind of legislation. Um, so from a standpoint of this being legislatively mandated and saving the city money, it's important. Um, but also the work we've done is training 16 lawyers, getting them on the panel so they can do this work. It is not trial work. The uh, type of work that is done is ordering uh, volumes of records from CDCR. Uh, I have a picture here of 40,000 pages of medical records. That is an outlier, but a lot of the uh, work that's done involves tens of thousands of pages that save money in terms of the attorney, mitigation specialists, or experts having to review that. So I think it's cost effective, it's uh, it's a humane project, and I urge you all to um, pass this resolution unanimously. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Welcome to the next speaker.
28: Good afternoon, uh, board. My name is Richard S.D. Peterson. Um, I wasn't planning on speaking, but I'm making two comments. Uh, One, I uh, have a disability and have been taking um, Muni for the last couple of years since I've been able to get around. Uh, And note that uh, many people get on Muni without paying. Not that they shouldn't pay, many of them have uh, disabilities, many of them are pushing baby carriages. Uh, But my point being, uh, uh, there should, uh, you should have a way of counting how many people actually use Muni because I think that their numbers are far greater than you perhaps realize. It's crowded on Muni. Uh, my second uh, comment was more personal. Uh, <clears throat> I'm one of the largest property owners in Noe Valley, and I have I've often talked to, um, I haven't often, I've talked to Mendelman and Duffy and uh, <clears throat> Uh, Wiener about uh, developing the property. I have had files, I have plans filed with uh, uh, planning for uh, seven years now to build a house on what's presumably an empty lot. Uh, Yes, the parcel must be split, but uh, uh, I've seen nothing but uh, delays, and unfortunately, uh, that is my retirement. I was planning on using the num num the money from that trophy house that's gonna be built that I can't afford to own or live in uh, and pay the mortgage or the taxes, but it will support me uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, Hopefully, it's gonna be longer than uh, what's typically predicted for somebody my age. I'm 81 years old and I love this city. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please.
29: Good afternoon. I'm Peter Warfield, Executive Director of Library Users Association, Library Users 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 17 0544 San Francisco, California 94117-0544. A couple of points today. Uh, the library is planning on approving a new so-called strategic plan. Uh, later uh, well, at its regular meeting in March, and it is a complete uh, rejection, apparently, of the existing uh, mission statement, and essentially a blank check with no measurables, no mention of the word book or books, no mention of the word read or reading, uh, no mention of history or literature, uh, and it looks like a blank check for pretty much anything. The library has not lived up to its existing Uh, purpose which has been roughly speaking as it says free and equal access to information knowledge independent learning and the joys of reading for our diverse community well has the library done that not really it is completely uh, leaving behind and often excluding people who are less connected to uh, technology and those people by and large are all the vulnerable populations minorities poorer people older people disabled people, and so on. The strategic plan has been done completely with closed and selected uh, folks to talk with it. When I said that I hadn't been invited in any way or included in the strategic plan, a member of the commission said I should have been, he should have been. Uh, That was not included in the minutes. Neither was my uh, issue with the minutes later saying that they had excluded that and should include that never included. Uh, The library is also, unfortunately, not any longer a safe place. It prioritizes
1: social media. Thank you, Mr. Warfield, for your comments. Welcome to our next speaker.
15: Shalom to you, Boards of supervisors. My name is Hakuya Chandler, and I'm speaking in regards to number 17 about the apologizing to the African Americans and their descendants I, of the violence I, and Mrs. the Mrs.
1: Chandler, I'm pausing your time. Item seventeen has already had its public comment. I, no, thank no,
15: you. No problem. Okay. I'm talking about in regards to just the African American nation and the issues of violence that have been going on and the atrocities that is being spoken about and um, going and looking at back policies. The bottom line is, is that the damage is done. All of the evil that has happened to us as a nation of people, you can't go back and change it. As one of the um, people spoke about paying, it is now time for you to reap what you have sown. And what I mean, not individually, I'm speaking of the atrocities that have happened concerning Dan White and the murdering of Harvey Milk's and George uh, Moscone and just the evil of doing just five years after killing two. This city is now Sodom and Gomorrah. And there is a spiritual obligation here. Um, It's so good to sit here and act like everything is okay. And I know every one of you know that everything is not okay. The bottom line, this is spiritual here. And now, since we are worrying with who's going to represent, uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you're not a godly or a holy man or a holy woman, godly, spiritual, you're ready to remove a police chief who is a decent and honorable man. Mayor London Breed, she might not be perfect, but she's not corrupt. I need everybody to understand that. And the bottom line is, is that there's a lot of dead bodies in the black community. And we're starting now memorials all over the city to acknowledge every child that's been murdered in San Francisco and whose cases is not solved. You can go to Laguna and Page, it has already begun. There will be altars all over.
1: Thank you, Ms. haquia Chandler for your comments.
15: This is the tribe and the staff of Utah. Justice has begun.
1: Thank you.
30: I think you might have upstaged me. I was going to talk about the wisdom of building massive new housing projects without any kind of mitigation or regard for the overburdened sub-infrastructure or anything else needed, which is pure suicide. But uh, if I understand the conversation, I think you might have upstaged me. Look, we're already living in the most dense city west of Manhattan. It was 75 degrees in Kansas City today. What about an alternative? Why can't we be the city that shows how to thrive with density instead of committing seppuku? Let me just say this one thing. How can the west side of San Francisco not be a historical district? You've got Cartown, you've got the Lava Rats, the Bill Hickey stop sign, Shanta's book on Other Avenue's community s- store with nearly normal Jimmy is in there, and my truck that I lived in is in there. You've got the Hibernia Bank with Pat- Pattyhurst bullet holes, drag races on Brotherhood Way, and then later the Great Highway, SF State, Leroy Fenzel, submarine races at Lake Merced, the city that Harry Bridges built with the Longshoremen and Warehousemen's unions, Local 6, the West Side not historical? Woody Bounty is rolling in his grave.
1: Thank you for your comments. Are there any other members of the public who'd like to address the board during general public comment, seeing none? Mr. President.
0: Public comment is now closed. Madam Clerk, would you please read the adoption without committee reference calendar?
1: Items 39. Uh, min- minus item 43. Yes, uh, yes, items 39 through 44. Uh, Minus item 40 uh, excuse me not 40, but uh, 43 are on adoption without reference to committee today a member may ask an item to be removed Alternately a member may request a resolution on first reading to go to committee
0: Would any member like an item or item severed supervisor Stephanie?
7: Thank you item uh, 42
0: item 42 supervisor Ronan
7: just want to make sure I'm a
9: co-sponsor of
0: 43 uh, you are now you're, a co-sponsor of 43 Supervisor Currently Safai. Should we just add everybody to item 43 all right it shall be mm. S- Supervisor Safai.
2: yes uh, can you please add me um, to item number 42
0: as a co-sponsor yes yes uh,
2: item number 40
0: uh, co-sponsor on item number 40 yes and uh, that's it. The rest you got. Okay, did I see Supervisor Mandelman on there? No. Okay, so on the balance of the adoption without committee reference calendar, we can take that same house, same call. Those resolutions are adopted and motion approved. Madam Clerk, could you please read item 42?
1: Item 42. This is a resolution to support California State Assembly Bill number 2319 to strengthen the training protocols in the California Dignity in Pregnancy and Childbirth Act of 2019, while introducing penalties for non-compliance from healthcare providers.
0: Supervisor Stephanie.
7: Thank you, President Peskin. Colleagues, this resolution is in support of AB 2319, a bill that addresses the stark racial disparities in maternal and infant mortality rates in our state. This Black History Month, we have been asked to support policy action that addresses the pervasive systemic racial bias in our society. The state of our maternal healthcare system in California is another glaring example of this reality. Black women represent only 5% of the pregnant population in California, yet constitute 21% of the state's pregnancy-related deaths. Black women are three times more likely than any other women to die during or immediately after pregnancy. In 2019, the California State Legislature passed the California Dignity in Pregnancy and Childbirth Act requiring hospitals and other health facilities to train perinatal care providers on unconscious bias in medicine that impacts racial maternal and infant health disparities. However, initial rates of compliance with this new law were dismal. While reports by the California Department of Justice were successful in raising the percentage of care providers who completed these unconscious bias training, it's clear that more needs to be done ab 2319 furthers this work by extending the evidence-based unconscious bias training requirements to also include hospitals that provide prenatal care in addition to perinatal care providers additionally ab 2319 authorizes the california department of public health to implement necessary enforcement mechanisms so that pregnancy health care providers are showing proof of completion of training or facing penalties for noncompliance, I'm grateful to Assembly Member Wilson and Assembly Member Weber for introducing this critical bill, AB 2319. Will continue the legislative strides necessary to push forward toward uh, reducing and one day eliminating the racial disparities in our maternal health care system. Please join me in supporting their efforts by voting yes on this resolution. Thank you,
0: Supervisor Melgar.
7: Uh, Thank you, uh, President Peskin. Thank you,
6: Supervisor Stephanie, for uh, introducing this resolution. Please add me as a co-sponsor.
0: Supervisor Walton. All right, and on the resolution, same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read our closed session, item 38?
1: Item 38. 38 This is conference with the labor negotiators pending uh, Approval of the motion that was just approved uh, on that list last vote for item number 44 For a closed session for the Board of Supervisors to convene in closed session uh, February 27th today to confer with the mayor's office and the Department of Human Resources regarding negotiations with labor unions and bargaining units representing city employees
0: All right, we are going to convene in closed session, and if you are not a part of the closed session, if you could please exit these chambers.
9: of gov TV San Francisco
6: Government Television
0: We will reconvene in open session. Is there a motion not to disclose, made by Supervisor Ronan, seconded by Supervisor Dorsey? And we will take that without objection. Madam Clerk, would you please read the immemorium?
1: Today's meeting will be adjourned in memory of the following beloved individual on behalf of Supervisor Mandelman, for the late Logan Miller.
0: We are adjourned.